Stories out of time and space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? I'm doing great. How are you, Scott? I'm good, mate. I'm good. We are at the mid-season point. We're halfway through season four, and this is quite a, a, an epic season. We're going 24 films, starting from 1930, going all the way up to 2020. So we thought we would take a bit of a breather halfway through and recap and bring people up to date with what we've done so far in season four so we're going to go back as you've probably known with our other season recaps and we're going to give scores to films and we're going to discuss any other thoughts that have come up since we watched the films and uh i think we should give a quick rundown of the films we're going to talk about as well but uh anything julian before i do anything that's going to sort of is really shockers are you gonna are you gonna i'm um, we, in the hundredth episode, we talked about some of our mm-hmm. past scores. Are we expecting any ex- exceptional highs or exceptional lows? Do you think in this uh, block? Uh, actually, for me, this is a a season without uh, massive shifts like that. Mm. Um, you know, I think um, you know, looking back, every season we, you know, one of us had uh, a, a new high or a new low. Um, and for me, that's that's not true. Uh, for me, this is uh, maybe it's because we're on season four and we, you know, have established more of uh, those highs and lows that uh, we won't have as exceptional. What about you? No, it was interesting. Um, I have, I don't think I have an exceptional new high um, or a new low actually. But I was finding it was yeah, very middle. Um, mm-hmm. But I am wondering if there's a couple that we may disagree on, on our sort of yeah. balancing out as, as we go through. Um, and there's definitely a few that I think we, you, one of us enjoyed more than the other. Um, yeah, for but, sure. But just to go through then, so the, the films we are going to be talking about, going back to 1930, uh, we've got Just Imagine, Dr. Cyclops, Godzilla Raids Again, The Fly, Alphaville, uh, Fantastic Voyage, THX 1138, Logan's Run, The Empire Strikes Back, Outland, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and Howard the Duck. And so that's quite a variety of different films in there. Got some Japanese um, kaiju films. We've got French New Wave. We've got First on Directors. We've got some a Marvel comic. We've got Star Wars, Star Trek. We covered a lot in this first sort of block. Um, so, shit, let's jump in. Let's go back to 1930. Let's talk about Just Imagine and what we remember from it. Yeah, that's, that's the right way to phrase it. I mean, I really look forward to seeing this. Uh, you know, I was aware of this and kind of never bothered to, to watch it for quite some time. And I really, I, I really, I wouldn't say I really liked it. 
but I would say I really uh, liked seeing it. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. I think I found it a lot more solid than you did. Um, you know, I, I think that I found it a lot more kind of charming and fine, you know, not anything that, you know, you're going to recommend, like, I mean, it's not Metropolis, mm -hmm. um, you know, and even that is harder going for some people. So I don't know. I mean, I, I was really glad to see it, but you pointed out, you said, what do you remember? Yeah, I don't remember much. Um, I had to refresh my memory. Um, so I, it's one of those movies that I liked a lot better at the time. And in memory is sort of like, oh, yeah, what was that thing again? Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no, it's funny. Like, yeah, I say remember because, again, I tried. I had the same to you. I tried to go, what, what was it? I couldn't really tell you the plot. Um, I remember there's bits in it about them being, you know, there's there's the flying they use fly, uh, little planes instead of mm. uh, cars. And there's this whole thing of someone being sort of um, frozen from the past coming to the Futurama you know. thing. Yeah. The man from 1930. Yeah. <laughs> All uh, the way into 1980. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That futuristic world of 1980. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, there was those little bits. There's the songs and there's a song and dance numbers. There's like the comedy slapstick. Mm. And then the end, I just remember the, the end. Is it the moon or Mars? I can't remember. They go to Mars. They go to Mars. They, they, they have the, the pilot, right? Who's yes. like the, that great pilot. He's the only one who can pilot them to Mars. That's right. Yeah. And that's what I remember. So I remember them going to Mars and there being this whole sort of like tribal culture on Mars and sort of thing. So, like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's bits. And I remember like the, the backgrounds we talked about. And I was like, is it a map mm. painting? And you were like, no, no, they built it. Like it was a built thing. So, there's things that stand out as it. Oh yeah, that's what it was. But like, I have to give it thought. It's not like, yeah. oh yeah, just imagine. That's a you know, like I said, I'm going to recommend it. Um, and it's interesting to sort of see where their sci-fi was in 1930 and where their heads were at. And it's it you know, the a future world is a reflection of where they were in 1930. Mm. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It's I mean, like you say, if I was to say, go back to nineteen thirty, the early thirties, and, and and here's a film. I think like, I still feel like the Universal monster movies sort of stand out, stand the time, stand yeah. the test of time better. Um, so yeah, it's not one I think I, I will be <laughs> promoting as a a, 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 a staple of, um, you know, sci-fi history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth seeing, but I, I think it's sort of like, it's better in shots and scenes. Yes. Right? I mean, even more than scenes, just shots. Mm. Like you were talking about the buildings and, you know, I mean, there's some of the sort of like walking on the flying cars and stuff, you know, that's like all of this stuff you could do, you could probably like in a history of science fiction movie, a documentary, use clips from this. And we would watch it and go like, that looks like such an awesome movie. I can't believe I haven't seen that. I've yeah. got to watch that. And then we'd watch it and be like, what was that fucking yeah. mess of a thing? You know, like, yeah. it's a comedy musical that goes to Mars, but also has, I mean, so many plots. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I have, I have very good excuse. I, like, I ultimately gave it a six. Well, you know, it's fine. I'm sure that's higher than you're going to give it. Well, I was umming and ahhing on this because 
I do remember bits and pieces of it, and I do remember, um, you know, those things that did stand out. But I could never go back to it and go, I've got to sit through that again. I mean, it's not long. It's not <laughs> a long film. But, like, yeah, I, I, I eventually gave it a 4.5. Um, okay. Just because of that. Yeah, because of that. I mean, I think that is... I'm looking at my listing. That's not... It is the lowest. It's the joint lowest. Let me put it that. There's another. There's another lower in there. Yeah. So we'll get to that. Um, yeah. yeah. But, f- but from there, so you you give that a six. So we've got a six or four point five. So we're sort of starting middling road. Yeah, we, I mean, we already have a sort of discrepancy between us. I mean, mm. we're usually closer than a point and a half. But... Yeah. No. But we jumped to 1940. And Dr. Cyclops. Well, and, and this is a good example of sort of that, you know, universal monsters kind of plot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it holds up fine. This is kind of like your, like, sort of copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of that yes. movie, you know? Yeah. It, and it feels like it. Yeah, no, this is hugely derivative. <laughs> um, even in 1940, it feels it. Um, <laughs> however... Much like you found uh, just imagining charming, mm. I think I found there was something charming with Doctor Cyclops, and the fact there's like the, the ridiculousness of sort of like you know this scientist in the middle of the jungle using a pit full of radiation, <laughs> so <laughs> radioactive material to, for a shrinking ray and all this other stuff, and and um, but then like when they did it, like you know, when they were actually shrunk and stuff, like the big sets and they do all this other stuff, like it's mm. it's it's mm-hmm. pretty some of it was pretty good. I mean, I remembered it and I enjoyed um some of the stuff. And although it is it is clearly derivative, I think I still found this kind of fun. Like it's a silly, pulpy forties adventure film. Um that generally makes no sense. But yeah, I actually <laughs> I I did enjoy it. What about you? No, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like it it lives in the the pulpy sort of sets. I mean, them running around. I remember more of this than I do uh, Just Imagine. Um, although I think, you know, Just Imagine is a better film for me. Mm. Um, it's doing more things that I haven't seen before. It's, you know, much more ambitious. Um, is it a bigger failure? Yes. I mean, look, between the two, just imagine it's like the big blockbuster sci-fi movie that's like doing these amazing things and doesn't really work. Mm. And uh, Dr. Cyclops is like the low budget, like, let's crank another one of these out. People like the schlock and it's schlock, but it's more memorable. Right. And and we're both pop culture guys. And and if I were going to recommend a movie to a general audience, I'd recommend Dr. Cyclops. Mm. Um, But for me, it's you know yeah i mean will i ever go back to either of these i don't know um but definitely dr cyclops has more of a narrative even though that narrative is derivative and you know it's trying less it's funny uh, um i'll I'll put it this way i watched um just imagine on youtube it's available on youtube for free it's there go check it out I bought Dr. Cyclops on DVD for like three pounds. I got it on Amazon or three or four pounds. And I was clearing out some of my stuff and I picked up the case and I was like, oh, I could just get rid of this. And then there's in my brain, I was still going, no, I think I'm going to go back and watch this at some point. 
Um, there's something kind of, you know, Land of the Giants and and all that kind of sort of the Shrinking Man, and I kind of mm-hmm. like those kind of films. There was just, there was something kind of charming about this. Um, even like you know um, some of the silliness, like yeah, it's endlessly. Um, I forget the name of the doctor, but like you say, the the professor that sort of doing this, how he treats his sort of like native servant and his dog and, mm-hmm. and like that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And I'm like, actually, like there's some this this I think there's some fun to be had from this um, that I I don't think I get, you know. So, so I'm actually going to keep it. Like, will I? Will, is it going to appear in in um, solid rotation? Like every couple of years, yeah. and we're going to pull it and go. Time for Doctor Cyclops. <laughs> it's uh, Christmas, the new Christmas tradition. <laughs> yes, yeah, I don't think it's good. Yeah, it's going to be. The, I'm going to. I'm going to move it as an Easter tradition. I'm going to start watching uh, these odd sci-fi films. But no, I actually think it'd be one of those. I might come across the DVD and be mm. like, "Oh, I'm going to. I remember. I'm going to watch this again." And you know, it's not even an hour and a half, so it's not a long film. Um. So yeah. So I think. Um. I think I will keep this around I, I have sort of not fond memories of it but it's one where i'll be like oh yeah this wasn't that bad yeah i think it's it gets into like how we judge movies right mm-hmm. and you know usually i mean i think that i'm usually at least compared to my friends on the side of like yeah but this movie works at least there's a narrative at least i can follow it and is it derivative sure but you know i mean it's it's fine it works it's not trying to be you know, an art house movie that changes science fiction forever. You know, I'm usually the defender of those films. Um, and yet, you know, I feel, um, you know, it's interesting, like, especially comparing these first two, because they're doing such different things. Mm. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll be flip-flopped on these two. Um, but not by that much. I mean, I think that, you know, I understand that that argument very well um i guess for me i think neither of these are good films in the sense of like <laughs> they're well put together good films yeah. right but when i go back um i mean this is by far the more watchable it takes less mm. effort to watch you could just you have it on in the background and be like that's daft <laughs> mst 3000 kind of stuff but it's perfectly charming you know when it come if it just came on cable i'd be like i kind of want to watch this you know yeah interesting whereas like just imagine takes more effort but i think going back i i i watch both and i think they're both sort of failures at fundamental levels um and you know one is more watchable but one has more that i look back and say oh that's fascinating that looks mm. like I want to, I want that to live in my brain as a writer and as a thinker, you know. Um, I don't need Dr. Cyclops living in my brain, you know, <laughs> but I'll probably think of it more often. I can remember yeah. the plot more than I can just imagine. So, yeah. Well, let, as you said, uh, Dr. Cyclops has basically about two thirds of a plot to make a film, <laughs> whilst Just Imagine has like three plots to sort of like keep hold of for its runtime. So, uh, all of which consist of like two scenes that we're like <laughs> woven together with the two scenes of the other narratives. Yeah. yeah. Do we? Does this one consist of a dance number? Yes. Right. That can go there. <laughs> that is there. Yeah. Um, Which, sp- in fairness. I you know uh, you know I, I'm straight, but my culture is gay enough that I can I can say 
what we need is more dance numbers in science fiction. Every science fiction movie needs a dance. Alien needs a dance number in the middle of it. Like, you know, going to get that, you know, more. I think, uh, I will this, say. This Swedish immigrant on the ship, you know, like. Yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> yeah. Random, random immigrant <laughs> racist commentary. Um, no, I have to, <coughs> I have to say, the dance numbers are one of the things that stand out to me. Um <laughs> There was one about fly. I remember there being one about fly and other things like that. So, oh, that's right, the fly. <laughs> yeah, it's like I wouldn't hurt a fly. I love you. It's like a song, love song. Yeah, exactly. So I'm remembering stuff like that. <laughs> God, does it doesn't up the score at all that I remember these odd dance numbers? Yeah. Um, but yeah. So what what did you give Doctor Cyclops? I gave Doctor Cyclops a five point five. Oh, okay. Yeah, I gave it a six. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. I thought well, we're closer on Doctor Cyclops than we are on yes. Let's Imagine. Yeah. I, and I think that's I think that's typical of us that you know I I give higher scores to the sort of like a little more outre kind of arty mm. thing that I can admit is hard going, you know, but I still kind of you know I mean it's the Solaris thing, right? Um, yeah. Let's see what happens when we get to Alphaville. I'll be interested. Okay, uh, yeah. But uh yeah, but let before that though Godzilla we, raids Godzilla, again. Godzilla raids again. This is Which I, I think we both savaged going the first time through. <laughs> yes. Savaged. This, this is one of those where we our, our commentary and our sort of re, uh, review and discussion of Godzilla, I would say was I don't know. We were, uh, I would say, I don't know, awestruck would be too strong a word, but like you and I both sort of went into the original Godzilla and came out going, like, wow, like that's a brave film for 1954. Like it has some amazing sort of like cinema, you know, some great sort of shots and it's brave enough to do this. Yet it has some slightly silly moments and that, but we were really sort of, I think both of you and I held up Godzilla, the original Godzilla, as a sort of like, yeah, this holds its place in film history for the right reasons. Absolutely. Raids again is a pile of shit. <laughs> Just a no, year later, and I, I was like, oh yeah. So no, but I mean that's this is the thing of expectations. And you know, and, and I do think it's expectations is so important as when you talk about art, right? I mm. mean, you, you go into a movie and it's like, you know, you must see this art movie. It is the best movie in 10 years, you know, and then you go in and you're like right what the fuck were they talking about you know <laughs> yeah. like it was so hard to sit through this pretentious drivel um but or they say you know uh or you go in and you think you know look all i want is some punchy punchy you know and it adequately delivered my low expectations you know um and it had a little bit of a theme like it's a and then you say like oh it's about something like that it, it's a punchy punchy that's about something no, it's not. It's just a little, you know, grace notes of a theme. But but we feel like it's about something versus, you know, something that is about something that just, you know. So it's, yeah. everything is about expectations. And we went into Godzilla with no expectations, with not no. expecting it to be especially good. And I think we're pretty blown away by, mm. you know, a solidly made movie that is about something and, you know, has brilliant shots and you know, really goes for what it's going for. Raids again is like 
yeah, we did that. Here's the cash. You want more of that? Here's the cash grab. You know, like, yeah. we phone this shit in. You know? Yeah, it's one of the most bizarre follow-ups. <laughs> and I was I was thinking about, um, as I was thinking about doing the scores, it got me to think about, like, sequels that are so far away from the original. Mm. You know, sort of where you go, like, the original's good and the sequel just sort of, like, falls away completely. And like I said, this is a completely different... Um, it's a completely different sort of like category. This is, I mean, it's clear it's got not, it hasn't got the budget of the original. Um, but even like the plotting of this, so like, you know, yes, you have to have <laughs> the human element of a Godzilla film that's sort of there. I understand that. But one of the big issues that you and I had with it was like through most of it, like the human story just is irrelevant or boring and, and, and um, incoherent. Yes. You yeah. Know, I mean, it's hard to follow and uninteresting at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the, the whole thing with the pilots and this, mm. uh, this company and blah, blah. And it results in um, the, the you know, Godzilla being trapped on that iceberg and all this other stuff. And you and I, like, it's a baffling ending where, like, Godzilla literally stands there and gets shot at. And I'm going, like, where's his atomic breath? Where's this? Where's that? Like, this film makes it's. Yeah, it, this I mean it's a year later, but it feels like a cash grab. This is so badly mm. put together um, that um, this it's is like like you know one of those straight to DVD sequels. You know, like this makes uh, in terms of drop offs from the original. Um, uh, you know, this makes what what did we uh, have you ever seen the sequels to Starship Troopers? Yes, I've seen the, like, the yeah, I've seen two and three. Yes, yeah, yes. this is like straight to DVD. This makes those look like thoughtful artistic expressions. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, it, it is. It's 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 a bizarre sort of follow up, and the fact that I mean, it must have made money, and it. But what mm. what's more disappointing in in many respects. Oh, I don't know. It depends, but like it depends how you take it. Is this then becomes the template for every mm. Godzilla movie coming forwards? Like, oh, yeah, Godzilla fighting another monster is what we've taken from this, and that's what we're going to go forward with. So, you know, I don't know what the name of the era is because they've got different eras of of you know yeah. this, is, this is the the early era Godzilla. Godzilla raids again has more influence. Over the mm -hmm. rest of the Godzilla franchise than the original Godzilla film. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, we've talked about how sort of um, franchises kind of get, um, kind of become their own parody. You yes. know that they sort of like, you know, whether it's you know, um, Rambo is the classic example. You know, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's true of you know, Rocky, Terminator, Alien, all of them sort of like they get boiled down to like the stupidest version of themselves, yes. you know? And in Godzilla, it took like, that happened so fast. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it took six months. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous. I mean, yeah. and, and you're exactly like, I want to give this points for the fact that it introduces another Kaiju. Mm. And there are shots in this that are good. There are things that we talked about that we liked, Yeah, yeah. you know, but again, on a kind of scene level, not in terms of the overall plotting, not in terms of, you know, intentionality. You know, there's no goal here. Um, 
And you're absolutely right. It's it's the I think what is most offensive here is the stupidity mm. that that first movie is a daft idea done as like a serious art movie. Mm. And, you know, it's like it, it's like an early sort of superhero movie. That's like, look, we know this is ridiculous. Let's do this as a serious concept. You know, Superman 78 is like, you know, look, we're going to spend 30 minutes on Krypton. We're going to do this as science fiction, you know, and, you know, there's dumb stuff in that movie, but it's really trying to legitimize us. Yeah. But the second one, it's like 20 years later and everybody's seen a million kaiju films and we all know what this is. Fuck it. Like the, the audience, be stupid. The plot doesn't need anything. It's staggering how how dumb that is. Well, to me, and again, you know, this is a, an odd comparison to I kind of like both of these, but this is like um, the French Connection versus Police Academy, and you know, <laughs> like Gene Hackman appearing in the you know in Police Academy, just sort of like following the French Connection, so that like it's that far apart that you're just like, oh no, this is a completely different <laughs> series. Like I don't I don't understand this. Um, yeah. And I know that there is more of this, and they, you know, they've on several occasions they've tried to boil it back down too. Mm. I think there was the the Godzilla of the eighties, and then um, which again tries to get back to that original theme of the of the, of the first film and um, Shin Godzilla uh, from you know the the recently, yeah, more recently sort of tries does, does the same and, and is actually mm. a quite successful film. Um, it's the intermittent ones where they're just sort of like, yeah, we're going to just have Godzilla fighting things. And you go, okay. Mm. And that obviously results in like Pacific Rim and, and all this other stuff. And you mm. go like, okay, fine. That's the, that's what we've got from this is punchy, punchy, shooty, shooty. Um, Invent a new guy in a foam suit for him to fight, you know? Mm. Uh, yeah. This is the movie that takes that, you know, because really the first Godzilla movie, it is a monster movie, but it's really a disaster movie. Mm. It's really a horror movie. You know, this is, yeah, what, you know, I watched that movie. What the audience wants is guys in foam suits. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Let's give it to them, you know. Well, um, it's almost like, yeah, someone made Godzilla and there were people going like, look at this, this is amazing. And there's one guy, there's all, one sleazy producer in the corner, like one of those guys smoking a stogie cigar. It's just like, there's a way of making money. And it's like, how you, you killed Godzilla. How do you make a sequel? I'll tell you how you make a sequel. <laughs> you have the him audience fight doesn't things. care. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, it's that Ed Wood thing of like, ah, oh, the audience doesn't care about that. Yeah. You know, the, the audience doesn't give a shit. We killed Godzilla. Well, he's his cousin. Hey, you know, throw it away in a line of dialogue. We don't, we don't need to yeah. explain that. So, yeah. So, um, we talk about would we go back and watch it? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back and watch Rays again. I don't no, think. I don't no. think it's it's worth worth the time or the effort. In in all honesty. So here's the. I agree. Uh, I, I and I would be tempted to watch it. You know, just as a completist kind of. You know, like oh maybe I was wrong about that. You know, but I would like make a mental note, Julian. Don't be tempted to watch this again. Like mm. respect yourself enough <laughs> not to spend more time on this. Um, my question is, would you watch another Godzilla movie? Yes, I would. Which like would you watch the third? Well, the third one or, is isn't the third one Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla? Yes. That's right. No, so, I I own that and I have watched that and I know that's ridiculous. And I was more forgiving to that. 
But I, and I but I think I knew that as being because I've seen the cover and I'm like, that looks yeah ridiculous. Um, however, they're embracing I, it more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I also Plus think it's got King Kong, the the Toho King Kong in it. Right? Yeah, um, and it's not so bad. I also think there are other ones that come along later um, in the in the sort of show era and, and mm. the, some of the other areas that work. Like there's um, Ghidorah, Ghidorah comes in. Um, like destroy all monsters, people talk about. Yeah, I haven't seen. I've seen these like in clips on TV, but yeah, there are ones that I've. I've there are a couple I've seen, and I've gone. Ah, it's not so bad. Like you know, I've seen this and that. I I would give another couple a go. I don't think. Hmm. I don't think that raids again is um the best example of those Godzilla versus versions hmm. of the film. Mm-hmm. So I would. I would. I would watch another one. Yes. So we may come back to the Godzilla franchise. Fair enough. Um, so here, here's the moment of truth. I gave this a four. Me too. Uh, which, <laughs> well, wow. Yeah. But I mean, and, and I think that's generous. I mean, there were things in here that, you know, we liked, mm. not on the movie level. No, no. As you said, like shot to shot, scene to scene, maybe, but as a whole. Mm. Um, it's poor. Yeah, it's not a catastrophe, but it's not good. No, it's, not, it, it's worse than meh, you know. Yeah, it's one of those. Where, it, the the big problem was, I think, with this in many cases, like you get to the end and they kill the, the way they sort of stop Godzilla is so head scratching that you're like, how is that the end? He's buried in ice. <laughs> what? That makes no sense. Like, yeah, it's it's so sort of head scratching. It's um, uh, yeah. yeah, those little fighter jets flying down at <laughs> that. The, you know, this like weird kind of like, uh, you know, it's like the run at the end of Star Wars, you know, where it's yes. like you build it up and you're like, why do you have to approach it like that? You know, you know, you <laughs> are in three dimensions, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, four, it would be both given a four. So, I think we've started, mm-hmm. you know, we're not, we're, we're in that sort of a similar banding there so far, three films in. Um, yeah, she's yeah. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. So uh, next was the fly. Yes, the Vincent from Price one. Fifty-eight. So yeah. I I knew this film uh, before going in. I'd I'd watched this before we'd sort of uh, mm. before we watched it for this thing. And I'm obviously a big Vincent Price fan. Um, and so I was going in, going, yeah, I know this film and I enjoy this film. I was, uh, but I I wasn't expecting. You to enjoy it actually. I was kind of surprised, but you oh, came really? in. You, know, I don't know. There was just something about this. I was like, okay, it's 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 part of that fifties silly sci-fi. It's the same year as the Tingler, and it's sort of you know, it's sort of <laughs> it's Vincent Price. But um, yeah, you 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 enjoyed it, didn't you? It's just you know, I'm not ten out of ten, but like this is it was a surprise for you. I think. Oh. Yeah. No, I th- I thought uh, you know, I mean, I knew the sort of ending. Right, yeah. and the, the final shot. I mean, you know, and I was aware of the film, um, but yeah, I thought I thought it worked. Uh, I thought it worked well. When you you talk about the the fifties, um, you know, let's uh, the data having just done the um, recently the hundredth show where I, I'm the data guy. Um, so let's talk about the fifties. When we mm. did the fifties block in season three. I, I think that I had slightly higher ratings than you did. Mm. Um, you know, so, you know, five versus 5.5, 6.5 versus six for me. 
So, you know, 4.5 versus 5 for me, 6 versus 5, 5.5, then 4.5 Earth versus Flying Saucers to 5.5. I'm a full point up, 6.5. So we're around the same. Mm. Um, but I think, no, yeah, no, actually we're right, like right 5.5, 5.5. Um, but I, I feel like I kind of have the impression that overall I'm maybe a little more forgiving of the 50 stuff than you are, just ever so slightly. <laughs> Yes, yeah, quite probably. Yeah, I, I think you're I... a little more charmed by like the the Earth versus the flying saucers kind of silliness. Like, well, there's like an Americana to it as well, isn't there? Because yeah. there are very sort of um, there is a very sort of like gung hoiness to some of them, which is cool. It's part of that. That some of the stuff I kind of liked, um, but the fly, the weird thing about the fly is like it's 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 set in this sort of very small kind of world, it's sort of, like you say, it drops you into the mystery um, straight away, you know, who kills this guy? And mm. then, and then sort of like, you know, then you get the backstory and stuff. Um, and I, I even like some of the effects when you actually get the reveal of the fly head and the arm and stuff like, um, and how he's trying to keep his wife at bay, you know, he's, he's saying to us sort of like, you know, run, like I can't control this. Um, and the more I think about this on par with um, the the eighties version, the sort of the Cronenberg version, mm. which is a very very different film, but but isn't in the same sense. It still has, you know, um, this thing of him trying to send his wife away, saying like I can't control. You know, he has to write it because he can't talk anymore. There's a similar bit in uh, the Cronenberg one where Jeff Goldblum. Brundlefly gives this whole thing about in- insect politics and how brutal it is, mm. and sort of like how he sees sense in it now and stuff, which is kind of you know menacing and stuff. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's they're very different films. But I actually I do really enjoy this film. I, it's um, it's a it's a it's a solid and interesting film for me. Well, and I love the way it starts as a murder mystery, as you mm. as you reminded me. You know, this sort of like it has a hook. Um, and I think the comparison really should be between the fly and Dr. Cyclops, that they're both kind of, you know, mad scientist yes. movies. Neither is really breaking new ground, except both in special effects. Both were doing something mm. pretty new with special effects, but both are sort of like low budget, conventional, very conventional narrative, um, you know, but Dr. Cyclops sort of still fails as a narrative right is is sort of like oddly not pounded out you yes. know uh and whereas the fly works mm. and the fly sort of like it's not shooting for the stars it's not really trying to i mean i'd like you know we could do a, sh- a whole show where we talked about like the presentation of marriage uh, across these various sci-fi movies yes but that's not its intent its intent is a murder mystery that turns into a kind of mad scientist who uh, you know isn't really a bad guy um and you know it works it, it's like totally pounded out it, it works great as a narrative i think mm. yeah no and i think they say because it has the that sort of the pacing works kind of well like you know you're supposed you know this film is called the fly so you know that it's going to get to that point but you know it's not going to give you everything at once and i like the fact as well that like you say it's um, you know, it could be gorier, like it hides a thing, but it still shows, like, you know, this guy's head's been squashed by his press, 
and they're sort yeah. of there looking at it. He's like, no, his his head and his arm have been completely like minced, and they're just like, oh well, yeah, this is who could have done this. Um, and the fact that they determined there were two attempts, and so one of them, you know, they they mm. went for it. And I like that when Vincent Price is like, no, this thing has been used twice, and it's sort of. Yeah, see, it's not just killed once. They did it a second time. Like, they showed how brutal or <laughs> something this was. Um, and so, yeah, it does. It sets off on the right on the right tone. And it never goes... Although this is clearly, like, a B-movie, you know, it's, it's sort of... It, it sort of... It's still slightly elevated above being just a silly B-movie, I think, because of some of the ways it does things. It still has ridiculous moments, like when he fails to sort of materialise the cat and you can hear the meow coming out of the ether... <laughs> even sort of yeah. like it's like oh that's just like ridiculous but um i like the fact yeah there's that, a version of that that where they discuss that more that would be better yes yeah but i also like that there's little things along the way that show the success like when he first mm. um uh teleports the plate um and he brings it out and she says oh that's funny that you know like made in china wherever mm. it is is spelt backwards and his instant response is like, that's not good enough. Like, that's a problem. And he just goes off to think about mm. it and leaves his wife and stuff. And and then it's sort of, um, when you know it's a success, he transports the bottle of champagne and the label's the right way around. And he's like, look, mm-hmm. I've done it. It's a success and stuff. So um, I like those moments in this film. I think there's some little moments that are very clever and very good. Um, and then obviously it's got the very well-known reveal at the end of it and... Um, stuff so no I'm, i am a fan of this film i think yeah and i mean I, I would say it's still a sort of stupid monster movie oh you yeah, know? yeah 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 but it's you know i mean like and it's got some of the same problems you're talking about the cat i mean it, it's also like how did you develop this technology he seems to have no idea of how his own device works <laughs> yeah. like you know the version if we're gonna do a do an episode on marriage let's do an episode on like the presentation of science it's mm. like scientists are just like creative people that just throw some shit together and hope for the best and sometimes it's a teleportation machine you know what's interesting is the 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 remake has some of that too i mean Mm. it's just that i mean there's no sense of the science behind that it's just that it's a better actor you know who's able to really be weird and so you kind of forgive it i think you yeah i agree i think the 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 brundle uh, Seth Brundle presentation of it is definitely that sort of like almost, but they take him almost like a troubled artist, don't they? Where he's sort mm. of like it's it's a genius in his head, like he can't explain the way they do. They give it to Seth Brundle and, and Jeff Goldblum, which is I think why mm. his performance works is you could never understand what goes on in his head. Do you know what I mean? Like he can't articulate yeah. it because even he doesn't fully understand it. Um, and he doesn't want to exp- he doesn't want to explain it because he, he even gets parts for the pods from different manufacturers, mm. like they don't know what they're making and stuff. And so mm. they try and hide it in some of that sort of stuff. But like you say, with this, is it's clearly like, even I think he even expresses it in the 58, uh, yeah, 1958 version. When she sort of asks him, he's like, I don't really know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, what? <laughs> Surely you should right, know the like- science before you build it. And, and um, this will change humanity, you know, like, this yeah. is, you know, uh, there was like, it's like a printing press level invention yeah. in human history. And it seems to have just been done with, uh, you know, glue and a <laughs> shoestring and a prayer. Yeah. 
Could you replicate this? But, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. No idea, <laughs> you know, what black magic went into this. Yes. Yeah. And, but, you know, but again, it's still, it's, you know, I mean, there is sort of like, how do you account for difficulty, right? Mm. Like in these ratings, like um, just imagine this really swinging for the fences and it fails remarkably, but you know, it's swinging for the fences. Like Dr. Cyclops and the fly are not swinging for the fences. No. Um, but the fly is, it's like, it's swinging for a decent fun movie and it winds up being a decent fun movie. Yes. Um, this is an audience pleaser. That's what it's, it's a fifties audience yeah. pleaser. And you're right. And Godzilla monster. is swinging for a decent fun movie and falls on its face multiple yes. times. <laughs> yes. Know. Slips on its iceberg. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's the thing is like even the cast. I think we even said like the cast in the fly are actually pretty good. Like you know the 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 wife and uh, the guy who plays the sort of professor sort of you know mm. they, they play it well. It's sort of I think it's supposed to be in France, um, if I remember rightly, or, or you know it's sort of it's not. It's even seems to be set a little earlier because of the way they dress and stuff like. Mm. Um, yeah, Vincent Price, I, I find entertaining it. So no, it's it, 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 it works. It's just one of those things. Like yeah, it's a good, it's a pretty good film. Um, well, even that ending of sort of racing to the you know the spider web and everything. You know, I mean, you know, you feel. I mean, it works as a narrative. It's mm. you know. Well, the ending is, so, is again. It's not a happy ending. Like, you know, they find no. that the fire help me, and it yeah. ends with them. Spoilers! If you've listened to the podcast with it, like crushing him with a rock, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. right. It's fun, but like, there's some. You forget that it's kind of dark in that this is about murder and you know bad science. It's a murder mystery, and you yeah. know the monster has to die at the end, right? Even if the monster is, you know, I mean, it's some of the best monster movies, like the Frankenstein ones. You know, the monster is not the villain, really. Hmm. You know, and that is certainly a dynamic that's at play here. Yeah, you know, it's it it's a different twist on the mad scientist, and it's a different twist on the monster. Mm. Yeah. So, so for me, do... I, I I gave it a six, which for me is exactly in that uh, realm of it's fine, it's not swinging for the fences, and it is very good at what it does, which is you know be a, a perfectly fine entertaining movie. I give it a 6.5. Yeah. Again, where I was I, like, yeah, I think I'm just up on that sort of the the funness of it. Um yeah. Totally fair. Yeah. Um Makes sense. Yeah, so I think well, you know, now we come to Alphaville. Yes, so we go from fun <laughs> fun entertaining sort of like audience pleaser to French new wave Spy mystery, nineteen sixty-five Alphaville. Um, <laughs> the pause speaks volumes. Yeah. No, I'm trying to think where I started with this. It's no, it's not that. Um, this film was one of those odd ones where, again, I didn't know what to expect. It was a bit like the Solaris situation where you know it's, mm. I didn't know what to. You know, it's, I know it's French. It's not, so I'm, re, I'm, you know, watching the subtitled version, and that voice, the the, the voice over that that starts I this film, you. yeah, is so weirdly distracting. 
that I was like, I remember for like the first couple of minutes going like, what the hell is this? Like this, bet, <laughs> this better, I better not have to suffer through this voiceover all the way through the film. And luckily you don't, like it's there and you, you understand, you start, you finally realize what it is, that what that voice is and stuff. And it makes more sense. But um, yeah, this is an odd one. I, I struggled with the, it took me a while to get mm. the narrative of this film and not just because I was reading the subtitles, but like, the whole opening bit where he goes to the hotel and then he's attacked and then there's like a woman trying to seduce mm-hmm. him or something. So I was like, I, I, you're doing stuff and I don't know what this film is yet. Like it's really, mm-hmm. um, it throws you in to the deep end and sort of expects you to sort of like clamor to sort of like the surface to understand it and only gradually gives you information over time. Um, yeah. Like, and I, and I think that, I'm okay. I think we both like movies that do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, and, but I think the answers are not fully satisfying here. Yes. Um, you know, the the answers are themselves ambiguous. And, you know, they're rich, they're interesting, but there's brilliant shots in here. There's mm. brilliant ideas in here. Um, undeniably so, I think. But as a movie it's not really very interested in doing like the narrative, right? The stuff that the fly excels at. And so again, we're kind of in that. um, I mean, I think this is more put together than just imagine, you know, as a, as a narrative, Mm -hmm. but again, we're sort of in that zone of, um, you know, what is the, the movie doing and how do you judge it? And for me, this is, you know, swinging for the fences in a different way or, you know, I mean, it's, it's really an ambitious, different movie, but it's still a failure in key ways. Mm. And so how do you judge like an ambitious failure versus a movie that is, you know, trying to be, trying to be primarily fun and, and, and tell a decent story and does a good job of it. Well, I think one of the things with Alphaville, it's one of the things you say, it's a bit like with Solaris. It's stuck with me. Like, mm. you know, like I say, that voiceover, there's um, a number of shots from this film that really sort of like, for good or bad, I mean, you know, not some of the stuff that stuck with me isn't because it's really good. It's still stuck with me. I'm like, I still don't know whether I like that or, or not. For example, the executions in the swimming pool and, and mm. you know, I'm like, I... And there's a scene that that scene where they sort of they keep turning to talk to each other and all that stuff. Like I was like, that felt too pretentious. Where that was an over the top kind of moment. But I'm like, you when you explained this, you know, we were talking about the the, the indulgence of this society. That's but but it's run by an artificial intelligence. And I, one of the things is, I'm like, yeah, there's good ideas here, and there are great shots. I mean, there's some really like well done noir moody looking shots the guy who plays the main character is like a perfect sort of like noir sign looking character like you know gruff and and all that kind of stuff i love all that but like you say it never quite gels to form a coherent whole for me uh and if anything it, the story itself is probably the most boring part of it like it's good to look at and there's some great scenes but like when it comes all when, when it comes down to what it's actually about this missing scientist and, and this, this AI, I'm a bit like, oh yeah, Christ, there was something he was meant to be looking for. Like, I forgot about that. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, it, I get lost in the, 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 
the visuals of it, and uh, they don't seem to complement the story where I think they should. Yeah, I, th- I think that's very fair, and I think that um, you know the stereotype of you know French versus American mm. film and narrative, right? Is that this is sort of this is your French type of movie, right? Mm. It doesn't have to explain itself. Uh, the characters are all sort of like a little cardboard or weird. Um, the shot that's weird that you remember, that's high praise. You know, that even if it doesn't make sense, I mean, um, you think of like La Dolce Vita and, and how much of that just doesn't mm. make sense. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a traditional narrative, right? But you remember those shots. I mean, they're iconic. And so, you know, from the sort of like continental perspective, that's all high praise, right? That's a mm. movie doing what it should be doing. And then you have like every American instinct in my body is like, yeah, but we don't care about the character. Tell the fucking story, right? Yeah. Be obtuse, fine. But eventually we need to get into the te- detective story where he's trying to solve it and we know what's going on. And, you know, I mean, and all of that is sort of conventional and, you know, boring, you know, and, you know, um, not highfalutin artistic enough of me, maybe from that French perspective. And then, you know, eventually you get stuff like Luc Besson, who's able to kind of like combine the two Mm -hmm. and combine weird French stuff with, uh, you know, with telling the damn story and, you know, having a a protagonist that whether you like or not, at least is the protagonist and you know who he is and you're following him. Um, So, yeah. No, I think that's true. I mean, I think, the thing is, like I say, you're right, and maybe the high praise I give this is there are shots and scenes that stand out, like the interrogation scene um, mm. where he's being interrogated by um, Alphaville, the, the the AI, and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. That that scene is really like it stood, but it stood with me. Like you know, it's 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 strangely tense. It's it's well shot. It's moody, and I like all that. Can't remember what it meant to. I can't. I cannot, for the life of me, remember how it fits into the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I think of the end is this thing where they bring down the AI, and the city apart is is apparently falling apart, and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, ah, what? It's, yeah, it's like you know, again, there's, but there's you a, don't feel it at all. No, there's no emotion right. with it. And I mean, we had that whole thing where it goes into uh, negative, didn't it? It's sort of like, mm. and the pe- oh, people people. Yeah. People are going all confused, and I'm like, I have no clue as to what is going on. And this isn't because it's a French film; it's because it hasn't, like you say, it hasn't tried to tell me like what. I don't know what the impact mm-hmm. is. Like no one said, well, Alphaville is actually tied into the entire population through some augmentation or something. It's not never mentioned. Right. And then all of a sudden, this thing happens. You're like, oh, okay. Um, Right, and yeah. it's a statement being like there's that whole concept of the words that have disappeared, right? Yes. That it isn't able to do reliably, right, or consistently, mm. but is a brilliant concept, right? Mm. I mean, I love that idea. I've seen other versions of that idea. I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah, the Having dictionary that, get, the dictionary get, that gets reviewed every yeah. year. Yes, that was a fantastic idea. I like that. But again, it's just an idea. Like how, like, like with the collapse of Alphaville, I sort of think, did they, is this a sort of existential thing, right? As the AI is removed, 
as their vocabulary, their understanding of themselves collapsing. And I think that's kind of implied, but again, it's all extrapolation on my part. And maybe that's fine. Maybe I'm just being a conventional American and demanding explanations. But uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like, are we having to um, fill it? We've talked about this and we've used the phrase before, like, you know, your head cannon. Like we've watched a film and gone like, well, there's clearly a plot hole, but what I've put into this <laughs> is this, yeah. this, and this. And, you, you know, so it's sort of like you need to have, this film needs headcanon. You need to fill in gaps to sort of, because again, like it talks about where Alphaville is and it talks about the outside world, and, and, and but it also considers that it's on a different mm. planet. Even the Wikipedia seems a bit unsure of if it's on the you know a different planet mm-hmm. or just different part of Earth or what's gone on beyond Alphaville. Yeah, that's uh, not good. I mean, you know, these are... Amb- and again, it's okay to have ambiguity, mm. and there are places where it's not hand- headcanon to... It, it's pretty clear where something is ambiguous, but there is a right answer, right? Yes. Um, you know, someone so did conspire with that other guy. It's pretty clear. You never see it. But yeah, it's pretty clear that this was a, you know, the guy is culpable. Um, yeah. But that's not the case here. I mean, this is no. just overly ambiguous. And um, I think that's a problem. That becomes a problem when you are sort of having to struggle to sort of understand the world. Now, <clears throat> what I would say is, and I think we sort of touched on this, I do like the visuals. I mm-hmm. think there are certain. I I think the ending of him and you know um, the daughter of the scientist sort of going off together and also the sort of leaving you know Alphaville. Fine, get it. There's there's very little emotion in this film, so I don't sort of feel the impact or the 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 you know the need or the, the I don't know the triumph of that finale or whatever. But this is one of those films that the more I think about it, the more I think of the influence this has had. And mm. as we said, like without this film, you wouldn't have Ridley Scott's Blade Runner. Like one, like um, mm. Ridley Scott yeah. clearly sat down, and watched this, and was like, "Oh, I want to do that, but I want to do the American version. I want to do the the Western version, or, or you know, the Americanized version. And bring in Japan as an influence. You know, yeah, like yeah." To- yeah. yeah, so I mean that's it. I think I think you know Blade Runner is clearly a mixed, mixed of um, influences, but this and this is most hundred percent one of them, and I think it should be recognised mm. as that as well. Yeah, fair enough. So, what did you give it? Um, I actually gave this uh, a five. Okay, uh, I gave I gave it a six. Mm. That's a point difference. <clears throat> not so bad. No, yeah. I, I, I'm surprised. Um, okay, so so for me, it was such a different movie on scale with The Fly. Uh, both go, and just imagine. Uh, but I mean, I think The Fly and Alphaville doing such totally different things. Like The Fly is aiming low, but doing <laughs> a really good job of it. This is like Alphaville wants to be an eight or a nine, but is flum, flummoxing and kind of coming in at a six. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. the reason that the reason I gave it a five is because of you know what I'm like for narrative. Like I like mm-hmm. a well structured narrative and I don't mind I don't mind an artistic film and I love the some of the visuals in this and there are moments when it looks fantastic and it's really well shot. And the ideas are good, but 
as you said, it's almost like they don't care enough about the story or the the world they're trying to build to actually sort of have something that's cohesive that could be tied up in some dialogue or something else that would explain a lot more. So that sort of just frustrated me. Richard. That, and it's that frustration that brings down the score for me. Uh, fair enough. Um, well, uh, on to 66, the following year, a very mm. different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic Voyage, another miniaturization movie, right? Yeah. I mean, Dr. Cyclops has that. Um, this is a big budget American film. Um, but I think we were both surprisingly untaken by this. And I say surprisingly because, I mean, I grew up with this film as kind of iconic, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, it's referenced everywhere. I mean, you do see clips from it all over the place. And yet the film itself is so disappointingly nothing. Yes. Yeah. I 100% agree. It's one of those odd ones where, again, I've heard about this. It's in all those lists of sort of like, you know, most influential science fiction films of all time. Like it'll be noted or something. Um, And I had in my head that this was a Disney film or it was like a family film. I thought this was like a family friendly sort of like Sunday afternoon adventure film. And then watching it, I'm like, no, this is clearly isn't that at all. Like they've gone for something different. This is trying to be a more serious science fiction film but it never quite reconciles itself with the slightly silly nature of of um the mechanics of what it is they're trying to do um and so yeah i don't know it's just it's just a not it's just such a i remember this film but again like none of it feels worth remembering yeah that's a good way of putting it I, for me, it feels like so paint by numbers. Mm. It feels like a script that was assembled by a committee, at, you know, out of mostly the need to prolong the plot, you know, and invent another complication. You know, let's have this scene where they're in the logs. Let's have this scene where they're, you know, there's a trader on board. And, you know, I mean, all of it, it just feels so paint by numbers. Like nobody involved in this was passionate about this and thought this was going to be the best movie ever. You know, nobody gave a shit, you know, like you just don't see that passion. No. I think the best example of that in this film is, and you say about the obstacles they have to face, like routinely every couple of, in every sort of 10 minutes, there's a new thing they have to face up to. But one of them is they have to traverse the heart uh, get through one of the chambers of the heart and it's oh my god the um the if the heart was to beat the vibrations or the that would would you know rip this sh- this tiny tiny ship apart and you're supposed to build the tension and it's like right we have i don't know how many seconds it is it's like 16 seconds 60 or, seconds yeah yeah we've got we've got like 16 seconds to get across this this chamber of the heart and then how many seconds do they do it exactly the number that they needed to yeah. get across in like it's it's and, and there's no well, ramifications they're like blown at the end like just yeah, pushed for, forward like, like we barely made yeah it's not we barely, yeah it's so sort of like safe throughout like the tension never feels like oh some even when there's a traitor and you have you know yeah. donald pleasant's got you know turns and does it never feels um 
the stakes were, yeah, it never feels dangerous. Yeah. It just feels very bland. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I, but I was shocked by that, to be honest, because of the status yeah. that this film seems to have. No, you're entirely right. And I, I, I've forgotten that this, this like very bland sense of like, why do I not care about this? Why, you know, why do you not seem able to sell me on why I should care about this? Um, that same kind of like you know paint by numbers sort of mm. feeling to me is uh yeah i mean the the utter lack of tension i think we remarked upon yeah i mean i think that, that, that they you know they've they revisited this sort of concept i know it's sort of got hit on before, again but like they hit on this concept again with uh inner space in in the 80s with, with dennis quaid and martin short um, and basically go right. We're gonna do. We're gonna do Fantastic Voyage, but we're gonna do an '80s version of it, and we're gonna do this. And it's a much, much better film. I mean, I'm not saying it's a great mm-hmm. film, but it's a much, much because it's fun and it's got more text, uh, stakes and stuff in it. But this, yeah, this just never seems to. Even the end of the film um, mm. is like you know, <laughs> oh my god, we're running out of time. You know, we could we, you know, we got this. We've got to get out the. I forget if it's the tear duct or whatever it is. They've got to do something. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, and then they get out, and it's like the end of a '30s film. Or it's just like, it oh, stops. that's over. Yeah, we succeeded. But remember, it starts with that murder. It starts mm. with a shooting on the street, like a spy movie, and a car crash. that's not important to anything. <laughs> no. Well, no, it is because that's the person that's on the scientist. The right? scientist that's on the table. Yeah, um, and they're trying to do something, right. and I think is it like is it a clot on his brain? Like they've got to sort of alleviate. I don't know. I mean, and exactly. Like it means it's meaning because they get to the brain, and then there's this big fight. Well, there's not even yeah. a big fight. There's a strangely sort of like mediocre fight between his his synapses. Uh, it's just. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you you're saying all of it correctly, and then the, even the title. Think about this, yeah. right? I mean, the title, <laughs> fantastic. Even the title is generic and passionless, right? Yeah. Like, you could title this anything, but like the like, oh, it's fantastic, you know? Like, it's it's doing something, <laughs> you know? It's like an outer space story, like yeah. you know, uh, space travel, the movie. Space, <laughs> yes, right. You know, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it's so like Fantastic Voyage doesn't tell you anything about miniaturization, no. anything about the human body. I mean, it's just well, it's, it's watch uh, this movie. The thing is, even that's overselling it. It should be like mediocre yeah. voyage at best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like Fantastic Voyage on paper. You know, mm. in in practice, it's like looking at the paint by numbers, where it's oddly soulless oddly you know passionless oddly free of drama like you're watching <laughs> actors go through the motions of things that should be affecting to you and looking at a fantastic vista that should be affecting to you and none of it is yeah well one of the things i would say about this and it's not it's talking about it now and us touching on um going back and thinking and considering that 50s block that we did mm. This feels like a 50s film that they couldn't make in the 50s because of special effects and budget and, and, you know, people wouldn't pay for this kind of film. But I think this would have been better in the 50s because I think you'd have had sort of like a more sort of like um, square-jawed, rough kind of hero and you'd have had sort of like, you know, 
you'd have had, it would have been a bit more diverse in that sort of thing that would have been a bit more fun you know um yeah. this yeah this just feels so safe um, and there'd be dialogue like you stinking traitor you know and yeah, they, yeah. You know, punchy punchy i mean yeah i i kind of see what you're saying yeah it would have been a bit more gung ho, where this was sort of like mm. you know, this is just yeah, this, this, this. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why, because um, they clearly try to have. Uh, they want to have their cake and eat it. I think is what they want is in, in the sense of, you know, you have the spy that we both you and I commented that the opening of this film is possibly the best bit because you're like, oh cool, an interesting a car crash and a chase and gunfire, and then that sort of stops. But then the actual miniaturization of the ship is quite is weirdly well considered. Um, it makes no real sense, but there's like, okay, we can only shrink you so far, so we're going to shrink you. Then we're going to mm. put you inside a massive syringe, <laughs> and then we're going to shrink that, and they're going to have so like there's sort of like an odd level of thought given to it. So they keep wanting to be almost thoughtful and considerate, but. Um, they don't want to acknowledge the camp of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's yeah. almost like, no, no, if you acknowledge the camp, if you actually give us what, you know, the camp of this, it would actually be a lot more successful. Mm. Mm-hmm. You need yeah, to... that's, that's not wrong. Yeah. I mean, the, the Archer version of this is far more fun. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know what to say about it. It's it's very strange. It's 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 oddly boring. Yes, that, that whole. I mean, like you're right that that's considered and it's interesting and and I have a lot of patience. But it's like imagine if you know how people mock Star Trek the motion picture as like you know, thanks for the 15 minute pan over the Enterprise. You know, <laughs> like you know, just seems so self indulgent. Like you are so in love with yourself and it works for me more or less mm. but um you know i mean we can understand why it wouldn't work for somebody else you know and it is mm. worth mocking you know playfully this is like imagine if your miniaturization sequence is a 15 minute you know slow exploration <laughs> of miniaturization but there's no conne- emotional connection to the enterprise it's like you know watching paint dry or something i mean and and i've got the patience i you know to get through it and and appreciate it from a logical standpoint as you say but it just seems how can that be the same movie that opens with a shooting on the street you know yeah it's very bizarre well i think you and i both concluded that that is a later edition if because it looks Mm completely different it has a completely different tone and everything like it almost feels like they showed this to someone there was someone like who the hell is that on the table and they were like oh yeah we should explain that <laughs> and he's, he's oh, he got injured yeah. yeah like i don't know they say it feels like a much later edition um but well, yeah. don't forget the soviets have this technology too <laughs> yes. like yeah. this is the world of this does not even make sense right it's like yeah. the 60s it's like the man from uncle you know or uh the avengers you know except like the soviets have this technology too and we're going to focus on this weird and it clearly does take place in that sort of like 60s spy era where everything's got a little dose of that well it wants to throw that in and this is where i actually think like you know whoever made i don't i'm assuming you've seen inner space i mean it was a bit you know 
they clearly took this and they took many of the complaints that we're saying, mm. you know, increase the sort of the tension, make it more of a dramatic story, take it out of the laboratory. So like, you know, Martin Short, there's a whole traitor thing at the beginning. Martin Short gets injected in the street. Then the Russians get mm. involved and there's all this other stuff. Like there's way more involved. <laughs> it's way more involved. It's it, it goes, oh no, shrinking silly. We know it is. Yeah. So we're going to go yeah. with that. Um, but we are still going to have to, you know, really push the special effects to show you what the inside of the body looks like. Um, mm. And we're going to keep legit, at least for some parts, we're going to keep sort of internal logic around where we're going to be in the body. Um, and this sort of, yeah, this goes, this is almost like a, a, a almost like a, um, yeah, for that, like a first draft and someone's gone, right, now let's make it fun. Um well, I, I mean, inner space does not have the cult status uh, that this does. It's never, you know, I saw it in theaters mm. uh, as a kid because um, I'm a very old man and <laughs> it never, um, so it's never replayed anywhere. It's never on any of the cable stations. You know, it's almost forgotten. Um, Guess what's going to be in season five. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, uh, I gave Fantastic Voyage a four. Oh wow! Okay, I gave this a four point five. Okay, well, well, we're close. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so interestingly, I gave both Godzilla Raids again and Fantastic Voyage a four. I think I actually originally had Godzilla Raids again at a four point two five, and you've got Fantastic Voyage at a four point five versus four. I sort of feel a little guilty because I feel like Godzilla Raids again is just a little better than Fantastic Voyage, but yeah, you think it's a little worse. I think because I think this this the the visuals again of Fantastic Voyage like there's there's mm. there's things I can point to and go I can see the influences of this I know where this went well done for the special effects like some thought was at least given to sort of the set design and some people worked really hard on. Um, the costuming or the sets or the design and stuff like that. I can't say that about Godzilla Raids again. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And then you and then you get to the ending and I'm just like, nope, nope, nope. The old iceberg thing just drives me mad. I'm so, out. Yeah, exactly. I'm tapping out. I'm done. That sort of thing. So yeah. it just it just Very edges good. out. It just edges out. Um, Godzilla. Um, right. We're now jumping into the seventies though, and you know, and actually, our sort of pre. Star Wars George Lucas with THX 1138 in 1971. Um, this was an interesting one because obviously, we you know, again, this has been like the Star Wars films, this has been um modified, uh, and you can only find the modified version. So, both you and I watched that, that's uh, that was done in I think 2005, maybe. Um it's tied us up special effects. It's added in some sort of like, you know, it's, it's expanded certain scenes. It's added monkeys, which we'll get to again, <laughs> uh, and some other bits and pieces. Sure. Um, but what were your thoughts on, on THX 1138? What are your memories and, and, and reflections on it? All I really, I mean, I remember the visuals. I remember, you know, uh, some of the ideas of the, the white room, mm. you know, um, you know, I think that this is very comparable to Alphaville mm. in the sense that it has no idea what it's doing. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, 
like it doesn't come together as a story except alphaville has more i mean this has some ideas you know i mean i like the the romance plot until uh-huh. it disappears um you know i like the way that his wife sort of gets him you know off the um you know the mind control the meds stuff. and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. But, you know, but then she sort of disappears and isn't ultimately important. Um, you know, so for me, it's sort of like it has a lot of the problems of Alphaville and it doesn't have as much of the heights in terms of ideas mm. that it's playing with. Um, and, the, and the ideas that it does have are a little more general totalitarian ideas. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I agree. I think this is one of those things again. Like I, I think of it in snippets. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you're right. I think there's parts of this film. The, the opening of this film, first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes maybe, are good. I think you know him in the relationship. Like this idea that, like you say, um, they are put together. They are mates, as in sort of you know. But there's clearly some sort of form of relationship there. Um, she's some sort of rebel. She should have been the hero of the film, the protagonist, mm. and then sort of. Um, but then there's like these odd things of how they build up the um, the way that the world works, like the masturbation machine and the. Um, <laughs> she's yeah. like George Lucas CG'd in because because why not? Um, and other things like that that we go. Oh, this is a weird world. Like you know, it's it's it, you know, it's a brain dead world where. Um, but then it's sort of like you say, then it starts to overflow with ideas and you get like mm. the religion booths and then you get the robot mm-hmm. police that may or may not be robots. And then, and then it's like, Oh, and then there's this, and, and then there's this other idea. And then, Oh, then we're going to have um, profit versus loss calculations on all decision-making mm. sort of things and so on and so forth. Right. It, it just keeps going with ideas. And you're at some point, you're like, yeah, there's some really, really good stuff in here. But again, yeah. like someone needed you to stop. Yeah, I love the religious stuff. I mean, I forgot about that. The the booths, you know, and, and it's clever. I mean, mm. it, it reminds me of sort of uh, uh, Ken Russell Tommy stuff, you know, and, mm. and I love that sort of playing with religion as sort of pop culture and imagine it going in in weird directions, you know, um, you know, and, and that stuff works. But like you said, it's all it's a hatch a hodgepodge of ideas. Um, that really there's no attempt to be coherent or to to make a coherent universe that these characters inhabit, um, you know, which is the real world building, right? Not just yeah. throwing more ideas and more details into the you know bibliography, but you know, um, really giving you a sense of place. And I never have that. Uh, if anything, I have more of that with Alphaville than I do this. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I think. What's interesting with this is this is the CG additions help for me, and there are several scenes. I think you know that when he's extended the the factory scene, you know of, of um, um, Robert Duvall's mm. character sort of like working, sort of that brain dead kind of working on that machine, extending it, and then just having this view of this conveyor belt of, of robotics going on and stuff like i like all that i think and again i'm like okay, i get what you're going for i see the visuals i see the idea and the thought that's going into it but then like i say it's so sort of like 
It's almost like he's done a scene, gone home and had a thought and gone, do you know what? I've just thought mm-hmm. about this. I really want to put this into the film somehow. Give me the script. And he's gone away and written into a script. And you're going, yeah, but you haven't explained that in the first third of the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. We haven't got to worry about that. It'll just, you know, as mm-hmm. we said, audiences don't care. I want to put this idea in. And so there's a lot of that. But we get things that like, I like the, the white room is a really good idea. I like when they come out of the white room and they get separated and Donald Pleasance is just rushed away where they, they've extended the amount of mm. people that like that sea of people just moving around and he sort of just gives in and he's like, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm sort of done, you know, sort of like, I can't beat this. Like there's stuff like that that I actually thinking back, I'm like, yeah, that was a good idea. I like the white room. I like the fact they walk so far and then they're like, there's this one black guy that's just like, oh, it's the other way. You know, and yeah. he and he's like, Oh, I work in whether it's a hologram or not, but he's like, I work in the hollow video. And we're like, Oh yeah, the whole entertainment industry is populated by black mm. characters, not but we don't see them in the real world. And there's this, these weird little ideas, but but the, for every good idea, it's countered by a robot police putting on boots, and you're like, hang on. <laughs> yeah, that's that's clearly not been thought out. Yeah, the, the 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 black entertainers are fascinating, and yeah. I mean, you could make a whole movie about that. And mm. you know, I don't know any details about what that would be, but I mean, I, it, it's a fascinating idea. How do you understand, you know, that the implications for race, but also you know, racial segregation based on you know occupation, and you know how that plays out in terms of status is not one for one here, mm. um, and it's interesting. Um, you know, the sexuality of this film is very interesting, mm. but none of that really gets explored. And and even talking about this, I feel myself getting irritated. I mean, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking about this damn policemen and how incompetent they are. And so for every good thing that I remember, I remember like them fleeing the cops and just thinking, you know, how does anyone take these cops seriously? I mean, they, they make stormtroopers look competent. I mean, you know... I, I don't know. I that I remember bad stuff. Yeah. In a way that I don't, uh, you know, in other movies. I, I, if I was to write, because the the thing is, like you say, this film is a prime example of ideas with no payoff or ideas with no focus. And I think it is epitomized by the the monkeys at the end. And if I was to write an essay on this film, I think I'd call it, but what about the monkeys? Cause it's yeah. so, it's such a random shot where you're like, Oh, there appears to be these sort of like these strange little ape or monkey like creatures. What's that got to tell us about anything? Like there's been no right. animal life in the rest of the film. And this came to me filling my head cannon again. Like, Oh, he's getting to the, the, the outskirts of this underground, um, you know, labyrinth of tunnels and stuff. So there's there may be creatures at, at some point, but that's never mentioned in dialogue. It's never it's never explained. So like, yeah, what about the monkeys? It's a bit it's a bit like with Buckaroo Bonsai when everyone has sort of like, but what about the watermelon? You know that whole thing mm. of it's the same with this. What about the monkeys? Like it, there are ideas that just never go anywhere and and don't need to be there. Yeah, and that and that you know are perplexingly stupid too yeah i mean you know the, the monkeys thing is like i mean you know you, we can do sort of headcanon stuff and make that interesting but mm. it's just not interesting it's just it doesn't 
not only does it not add anything, but it subtracts. Um, I don't know. It's it's. I mean, having said all of this, there's stuff I like, right? Like, I want this to be a better movie than it is. Mm. Um, like, I, I I think that's the best thing I can say about it. <laughs> well, it's one of those I think we both agreed that, like, you know, there was there's too much inconsistent, too much stupidity in this film for it to be very to be great. I mean, again, the car, the the the, the car shuts down over a certain heat. It heat it overheats. Oh, it yeah. shuts down, and they they oh. try to make this a moment of tension where he's like, "Oh my god, it's got to cool down below a certain point so I can start driving again to get away from the police." God, yeah, that was <laughs> awful. That was so <laughs> awful. I mean, first of all, why have you designed cars like this? Yeah, exactly? You yeah, know, to, to let them just run until they stop, and then you know what a horrible moment of tension. You know, in a chasey, a chasey. Of all, you know, <laughs> how do you screw up a chasing this badly? Um, but then wow. again, but then again, like you said, you, we, I think we said again, like, but why is there a chasing? Like the, the whole film, yeah. the right. whole film hasn't been about action or anything. And then all of a sudden you have a car chase at the end and you're like, you know, it comes back to that thing. What about the monkeys? Like, what, what is it? What is it you're trying to tell <laughs> me? Like, what is it there for? I don't understand what it's there for. <laughs> Well, I, I think this wants to be a more French movie than it is. It wants to be more Alphaville. It wants to be like one man's existential journey toward, you know, uh, um, self-realization. Uh, mm. um, expressed in an ambiguous movie with a lot of ideas that never has to explain any of them. And so for me, it comes in under Alphaville. Um you know, for me, it's clear that Alphaville is the better of the two. Mm. Um. Mm. So, I mean, I gave it a 5.5 and Alphaville has the 6. I gave this a 5.5 as well. And I gave Alphaville a 5. Um, Interesting. And I'm wondering so, why that is. What was it? And I'm, I'm happy, I might change, but I think there's part of this where I, whilst I like the visuals, I think that my frustration with Alphaville um, is mm -hmm. greater than my frustration with THX. I think yes. that's the thing. This is um, about how you feel as a viewer, right? Yeah, like exactly. Alphaville frustrates you and pisses you off, whereas yes. THX just isn't good. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing is, like you said, TH and for Alphaville has got beautiful shots, and I could probably look at some of those things. There are scenes I would watch again and go, "Oh yeah, I get what that's that's interesting." But with THX, I think one of the frustrations is, especially the era in which this was made, like this is so. This is almost like you know two drafts away from being mm. an early sci-fi classic. I agree. And that's the frustration as well. It's where I'm like, and this 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 epitomizes to me why I think like George Lucas isn't a great director and isn't a great creator. Like he's always like two drafts away from something that's truly great, which is why I have to keep revisiting these bloody films. But I feel with this, like you say, it's it's there's I don't know, there's just more something there's more there's more to scratch away at for me in THX. And I find that um hmm. I, and also 
having had Donald Pleasance be awful in Fantastic Voyage, I find him more appealing in this film. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I would say Alphaville is two drafts away from being something mm-hmm. that, that being a real classic too. I think what's interesting is in both cases, those drafts will not be made by the director, right? Like yes. it is crystal clear, both of these directors could not have just taken an extra year and made that a coherent masterpiece of a movie. It needed a Scott Weatherly or a Julian Darius to come in and say, great ideas here, kid. You know, yeah. uh, now let the adult take over. For, yeah. Um, you know. I, th- I think, especially with, t- with THX. I love that I, I just criticized yeah. <laughs> masterful directors that like the kids that we clearly know. Yes, yeah. So, I love <laughs> you, like, sit down, kids. The grown-ups are talking now. Um, the thing is, I think... That's, like, that's right, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah. <laughs> shut, your, shut your stupid French face. We're the adults. <laughs> the thing is, I would say is about both Alphaville and THX, you could take both of those films and keep mm. them suitably weird and arty and all sort of stuff and whatever. And you could remake them today. And I think they would find an audience. Um, you know, I think you could do that mm. now, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, they're films. I don't think would be touched. I think it's a kind of a shame, especially with THX. I think THX 1138. And also the thing is, we, I think as we sort of touched on, there's been many derivatives of that as well. This idea mm-hmm. of, controlled future you know dystopias with medication and drugs and all sort of stuff and and you know it'd be interesting but yeah it's a fascinating idea and, mm. and i do think that unlike the solaris remake which you know i'm fond of and we may do someday mm. but unlike that um you know the problem there is where do you go right yeah i mean when you when you take a movie that is good even if it's not up to modern special effects or pacing or whatever, and you remake it, it's got to be relatively close. These are movies where, like The Fly, you can deviate enough Mm -hmm. that you could really create a a new real masterpiece. And I think those are always the more interesting remakes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would make a shot for shot or even like, yeah, yeah. This is one where you could really take something and give it to a modern. Again, like I would, you know, we're going to touch on some of his work later in this season, but like, I think a THX 1138 made by Denis Villeneuve would be mm. incredible. Oh, God. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think there's potential there. And that's what I think. I think that I see that potential despite the creaky weirdness. Um, let's move on, though, to. Um, what from one dystopian future to another dystopian future, um, just more of law. Yeah, ruined Earth and lots of young, attractive people running around. Uh, Logan's Run from 1976. Um, yeah. <laughs> we may have a bit of a difference on this one. Um, so, yeah, this is an interesting one. What, what, are your, what are your reflections and remembrances then of Logan's Run? I think to me, the comparison that I'd like to make is between Logan's Run and Fantastic Voyage. Oh, okay. um, There's no doubt that Logan's Run is the better of the two, right? Mm-hmm. But it has some it has some of the same problems that we've seen with like Alphaville and THX. Like it's not clear what this world is or how the yeah. rules work. I mean, Logan's Run has, um, you know, a narrative uh, like Fantastic Voyage, I mean, Logan's Run has a better narrative with more arcs for the characters, but 
there is this same sense of kind of like, I don't know, sort of a lingering kind of paint by numbers thing, a lingering sort of like um, made by committee, like here's the next conflict that they face, you know, now they're in the tunnels, they're fighting the robot, you know, I mean, it has some of that kind of sense to it that I think really distracts from it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it, I love like it's presentation of sexuality. I think it's fascinating. I mean, there are things in this that are like Fantastic Voyage. Both of these are sort of uh, iconic in their mm -hmm. imagery and ideas. Obviously, Logan's Run has more meat behind those ideas. You know, there's at least an idea behind the, the visual or the concept, right? It's not just a wacky idea. But at the end of the day, you know, Logan's Run doesn't make sense. It's 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 one of those movies that I want to like, but right. it, it, it's frustrating and disappointing. Every time I see it, I'm just like disappointed. I can get that. I think I, I, I come at this with some... Uh, nostalgia. This is one of those films that was, I think, always on like a Sunday when I was a kid. So I've sort of watched it numerous times. Um, it gave me a sort of a bit of a love affair with, with Jenny Agatha um, that was then solidified by American Werewolf. Um, mm. But there's, there's something about this film that, again, as I watch it now as an adult with, with you know, with this critical eye, I, I appreciate that. Um, it is a bit inconsistent or it has, you know, again, it's not a fully formed world. Um, it's own internal logic doesn't quite make sense. Like we, we, we obviously put, you know, pulled strings, like um, how is the population controlled? Is it one in one out? Like, you know, do you reach 30? They replace because they're called numbers, you know, uh, they've got like a, a number attached to their name. Is that a generational thing? Is that a version? I don't know. It's it's never really fully explained. The um, what are they called? Um, what's Logan? What's their job? I forget what they're called now. Um, yeah, but the, you know, Sandman. Sandman. Thank you. Um, you know the job that they serve. These people that run when they reach sort of thirty, when their sort of their hand jewel turns red. Um, you know, it's sort of it's it's interesting how they present them. Um, but again, like you know, they they seem to report into this AI. But again, that seems slightly inconsistent of what that AI knows and wants to do to sort of start the plot. Um, you know, it's sort of, and again, this is one of those films in many cases where a single conversation would solve so many problems. <laughs> like when he's chased after by his partner, he could have stopped and suddenly gone, oh no, the, the AI sent me on this mission. I'm actually undercover. You need to go away. You're making this harder than it needs to be, sort of thing. Um, and things like that. But, uh, I, but however, I, I, there's something about this film that I find really appealing uh, in the ideas. The fact that these people have just given in to, well, that's the way things are. You reach 30 and you go on to Carousel and there's this idea of going on to something better beyond Carousel and, and they actually go and cheer for it. Um, mm. And there's this, like, like you said, there's this sort of peaceful world of like, you don't really know how things are put together, but no one seems to be having a job. So it's all automated and um, but then when you meet the Sandman, there is a little bit of sad sadism in the in in the mm. the Sandman that like they enjoy running people down and, and shooting them. That like it's a game to them, makes them a little bit more 
sinister uh, and stuff. Like they're an actual, like they're dressed in black, while the rest of the society are dressed in like bright colors and all this other thing. Like there's all these little things that point to them being like, you know, so I mean, uh, Logan, Logan six or Logan seven, I forgot she is, but like um, he's he's to begin with, like he's not the hero of the film. Like he's he's you know he's the protagonist, but like he becomes becomes up the hero. And yes, there is this thing of when they go on, they meet the obstacles, like the the robot that's frozen people, and the 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 kids that live the the Mad Max kids that live in the tunnels that doesn't really get explained, yeah. um, and things like that. However, I I do I don't know I just find a lot of it appealing, and when they finally get out into the world, and they are a mm. bit like, yeah, this is crazy. Like, what do we do? Like, it's it's. You know, it, their jewels have turned off, and they're all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, well, we're not dead, and we're free." And there's mm-hmm. like this realization and stuff, and it starts to open up these ideas, and then they sort of, no, I don't know. There's just things I, I find this more appealing, and also I think it looks better in some cases than, than some of those of the film. Now, the ending we'll get onto, but I don't know. Yeah. The, the two thirds of this film really, I really enjoy. I like the DC stuff, and we talked about yeah, yeah, how yeah. like that's not what this film is known for. You know, no. it's known for Carousel and the gems and all this stuff. Um, and I mean, and the robot and the ice cave stuff is terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it looks, terrible. And it looks truly. awful as well. Yeah, yeah, this is quite true. But I mean, I always feel like this is, and again, this was a big budget sort of attempt mm-hmm. to capture Star Wars. You know, well before Star Wars, this was an attempt to sort of capture 2001 sort of planet of the apes kind of you know get some money from a sci-fi property and you feel the money you feel the talent involved but it's like i don't know you know uh lucan's run it, it all has always felt to me like some sort of like 25 degrees off of a coherent world that would become iconic Mm. You know, okay. like yeah. it, it all feels like that sort of like off brand 70s chips, you know, where it's like, yeah, it's, you know, like it's kind of Doritos, but it's not, you know, I mean, there's talent, there's money, there's, you know, ideas here, but and you can easily see like a version of this that was just a little different mm. being like a really memorable, coherent world that we inhabit and we want to go back to and whether that movie did well or not, it would be remembered for that world and that vision and those images. And it has some of that, but it never quite, you know what I'm saying? It seems kind of weirdly generic. So you're saying this is more like one of the planet of the apes sequels than planet of the apes. (laughs) Like, yeah, absolutely. Like planet of the apes just works minute by minute. Yeah. I mean, this does not work minute by minute. No, and I agree. There are definitely sort of parts of this that don't make sense and, and, and there's bits that don't work. But I think I enjoy more of it than I dislike. I think that the, one of the big problems with this film is the ending. Yes. And it tries to well, end the on this... to liberate. Yeah. This narr- thing... The narrative of liberation, right? But it, it comes back to a, a similar thing to Alphaville of like, this. yeah, the need to liberate... Mm the big speech of you don't need to do this kind of thing. You can all live and they, you know, but then by bringing down the AI, all of a sudden things start blowing up. People are throwing themselves <laughs> over banisters, like off balconies. Like 
the things go crazy and the city starts to burn. And I'm like, what, what the hell was, how was this, how was this set up that a power cut could destroy this bloody place? Like it makes no sense. So yeah, the ending is what really bothers me and sort of is, is like I could do it because, and then they're all coming out and they're all touching the face of this old guy, you know, um, and, and all that sort of piece just is awful. Um, and then ending with sort of like, you know, him and, and Michael York and Jenny Agatha coming out and smiling at him and like, we've done good. We've destroyed the lives of thousands of people. And, and know, they love us for it. And they look, yeah. But as you said, um, there's a sequel to this. I, mean, I sort of mentioned it and you're the one explained it. The follow-up to this in the comics hmm. is these people turning on Logan and being like, no, 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 you balls this up. Like we were living in a utopia you know, mm. and you have completely made a mess of this. Like, and that's what it feels like. And I think that's the problem that this film tries to have this triumphant finish, this big finale of like, I've saved you all. And you're going like, really? That's your Sean Connery voice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get, yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll do, we'll come to Sean. <laughs> um, yeah, you do it well. But that's how it feels. Like, and again, it's this weird yeah. ending of, I don't know, whoever wrote this. Clear and when they directed it as well, they felt that this was a triumphant end. But, what, but yeah, but what it should be is a Planet of the Apes ending where like there mm. should be ambiguity about this. Like it should really be showing you like someone should be questioning him and going, like, what have you done? Right. Congratulations. You brought us into the Planet of the Apes. You brought yeah. us into the world of ruin around us. Yes, great. Um, we get to live we get to live longer, but we don't have any food. We don't have any skills. We don't we, you've killed this generate this population. I mean, I always think of Logan's run as sort of one of the quintessential 70s sci-fi films. Yes, I agree. Um, and partly it's this aesthetic. And there are this weirdly generic kind of like it doesn't click like mm. it's it's so close to being star wars right mm. Mm. it's just but it doesn't quite quit click and some of it is this aesthetic and some of it is like just the yeah uh, you know some of the shots and some of the you know the stuff is is good but i mean like that gem just looks like a gem in their hands you know yeah. i mean logan Logan, like none of the characters really look sexy or cool. They look like some seventies version of sexy or cool that you know doesn't quite work. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know what you're saying. That Model, robot Model. doesn't look cool. I mean, yeah, the robots, really the robots, the cool. robots, very boxy and very sort of weirdly cheap. Uh, Michael York was never a leading man, um, mm. and you know, I don't, but I, yeah. I'd still love Jenny Agatha and I'll defend Jenny Agatha till, <laughs> till the end of my days. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. I do. I know what you mean. Like it doesn't feel, they don't feel pretty enough to be this, um, you know, young, youthful, pretty utopia. Um, but 70s blockbuster. Yeah. But then, know. you know, that's of the era. I still think they represent right. the era. They may not have, the, the, the aesthetic may not have aged well but i still feel they represent the era so i know i i, 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 I kind of like this film there's, there's enough i think we'll, let's be i'll be interested to see what the scores are so what did you give uh, uh so i gave this a 5.75 okay well i only gave it a six. Oh wow well, we're, so we're very we're not, close we're not far off uh but i definitely enjoyed it i think more than you more than you 
Um, I mean, it's interesting how close we are sometimes, despite, like, I thought all through, um, you know, talking about Alphaville, I was like, oh, man, he's going to give this a better rating than I have, you know, <laughs> based on our conversation. No, um, it's, it's, it's often based on my reflections, but what sticks in yeah. my head when I give these scores, like, what I often do is, because I've now got my, my spreadsheet as well, I've learned that lesson, hmm. I often give them a score straight away. I do, and then, and then, And then I come back, and I'm like, what mm-hmm. is stuck in my head? What if yeah. I would I play? Would I watch this film again? What has remained? Do I have an emotional connection to it? Like, has it affected me? Um, and I think back to again, like you know, in the previous season, one of the biggest sort of things on that was like Vanilla Sky and Eyes Wide, mm-hmm. uh, not Eyes Wide Shut. What was it? Uh, eyes. The, open the, your eyes. Open your eyes. Thank you. Yeah. But again, was like. There's two versions of this, but I feel that but, but I feel that both films had like a different emotional impact on me. Mm. But I like them both in that different weird way. Though so I'm like, yeah, I so they could they, some films could even come out with the same score, but I like them mm. for I might sound like I'm more down on a film, but I, I like it for mm-hmm. different reasons. So we are now into blockbuster territory. We're into sort of uh, franchise <laughs> territory in 1980 with Star Wars. Uh, the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. And I, in reflection, I haven't, you know, this was, we went back and watched this. This is definitely a film of three thirds. Like I know it's, I know it's a three act structure, but like the whole stuff on Hoth. Yeah. I, I yeah. like, I like everything on Hoth. Um, and then as the story splits, as we sort of said, and I've been thinking, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been thinking back on this um, about who, what characters I want to follow in Star Wars, and I was thinking about it with regards to like the sequels that came out more recently, the Disney sequels. Like, what characters did I want to follow? And I don't give a crap about Luke Skywalker. Like I yeah. really don't care. I, you know, I love Mark Hamill. I think he's a great. He's fine. He seems a really nice guy. I do not care about Luke Skywalker. And the more I watch this film, the more I'm like, eh, I, I, I don't like him. I don't dislike him, but I'm not bothered. Han and Leia and and their sort of escapades in this film are way more interesting to me than the whole Luke stuff. Um, and so and that's what I'm saying. Like this film starts to split up, and I'm like, oh, okay. Again, there's some really good stuff in this, and um, but there's also the uh, for the first time ever. I know we went off on one. The whole stuff of Luke and and Yoda on on Dagobah, yeah. I realize how bad some of that is, how absolutely awful some of that the dialogue and some of the performances are in that section. And and in retrospect, the like Gali G, I'm Yoda, kind of yeah. like comic character stuff. Um, Wow, it's just really cringe yeah. in retrospect. Uh, it, it's not not good. But I'm with you about the Hoth stuff. I mean, I think that this movie starts, and 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 the Cloud City stuff is okay. Uh, I mean, uh. you know, but but again, you're right. Of those two narratives, it's the Han Leia, um, you know, Cloud City stuff that uh, that works. Um, and you know, I mean, even that doesn't really work. I mean, you know, there's the like 
Thyestes feast kind of uh, you know Darth Vader thing that I want to work and, and doesn't. Um, but you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like it starts as a much more confident movie, mm. and then and 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 then just goes off the rails. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I want to like this movie more than I do. I mean, everybody, you know, I do think that it's better than the first. Yes. Um, I didn't, I didn't give it a better rating than the first. Mm. Um, you know, and I want to like this movie better than I do. And I don't want to be that guy who's like, you know, fucking Star Wars, you know, <laughs> like it's always down on, I mean, you know, I, I live, first of all, live and let live. Secondly, I grew up with Star Wars. I mean, you know, I like a lot of the visuals, you know, it's influential for better and worse. I do accept that this is like the, you know, the the uh, a better film than the first one. Mm-hmm. There's a mm-hmm. lot that it's doing that we both like about, mm. especially like, well, there is another with a sister and, you know, you know, I mean, okay, Luke is the, I mean, Darth Vader is the father. I mean, this is setting up the mythology in a way that that first and did it and setting up the sort of Skywalker saga. Yes. You know, that all goes back to this. It does not go back to that first one. Um, if anything, you know, I, I did read how uh, Lucas wanted for a long time the prequel trilogy, even after having made this one, uh, the prequel trilogy was going to focus on Obi-Wan Kenobi and not be focused on Anakin Skywalker. Mm. Obi-Wan Kenobi was seen as the the guy, right? Who then passes, you know, Lucas's his, his Padawan, you know, not that they had that term then, but his, you know, apprentice. And so logically, the first three films would be the story of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, it became the Skywalker story. Um, and it sort of did in response to, you know, this and then the next one that reveals Leia as his sister. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, there's a version of that that's good. There's stuff here that I want I want to like. I want, I, this is it, the Skywalker story based on this and the next one is good enough that I kind of want to rewrite it. Mm, it yes. Know? But it's still not good. Yeah. Well, I think we said that. I mean, that's the thing. You know, we talked about um, the, this idea of the twins and we know them to be mm. twins and stuff. And this idea of sort of like, you know, balancing the force. And we were saying like, yeah, everything in this film starts to point towards balance and this yin and yang idea yet never quite gets there. And even we're going like, you know, we're, going, we're you're almost shouting at the screen going like, you're telling me everything that you need to know, but you don't mm-hmm. seem to be listening to your own script. <laughs> like, um, right. And that's where I think this sort of does start to fall. Uh, and I think you made brilliant, brilliant points during that discussion about the mm. yin and yang thing and about the twins. And, um, you know, that really granted that's a revelation from the next film. Yeah. But, you know, it really points you towards some of the Ryan Johnson stuff, albeit I still think that's objectively a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. But it does point you towards some of those playing with the concept of good and evil, the concept of, you know, there's a really a light side, dark side, you know, which was something that I always questioned as a kid, you know. Um, why is the dark side more powerful? You know, you're yeah. it's the same thing. It's like, you know, I have psychic abilities. Imagine if Magneto, you know, was like, oh no, 
because I use magnetic powers for evil, they're much more powerful than you, Professor. I I, I don't understand. At yeah. least they have different power sets. But yeah, I mean, I thought you were brilliant in, in that discussion. Well, it, it is an interesting one. And I think that's the thing. It's sort of like it, it reaches for something and never quite gets there. However, you know, the film, you know, we're going to base on the film we're given. There's still yeah. good bits in this. And like I said, the Hoth stuff I could watch again and again. I don't know. This, the whole battle, whether in the trenches, the attack, we laughed at that. It's a silly design, but it looks iconic. It is, it's a great yeah. looking, um, you know, um, was it Macquarie? You know, when he was sort of drawing these, I can imagine Ralph them sort Macquarie, of Ralph yeah. Macquarie designing this and someone going, like, that is awesome. Like, yeah, why not go <laughs> all out in a space sci fi fantasy film? Like, awesome. Um, and yeah, so, so that all, whole stuff is great. And then as it goes on and on, like you say, it 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 plays out, um, the whole stuff on the on, on Cloud City. I, I kind of like, I think there's some great stuff in there. I, I like that bit. The whole bit, as you say, when they sort of sit down with, or they should sit down with Vader, and they don't, and all that, you know, it's just, it's just yeah, this keeps being these missed opportunities. But there's the other side where the stuff with Yoda, as you say, the comedy stuff with Yoda. This was the first time I watched it, and was like, yeah, this is crap. <laughs> like this doesn't just doesn't work. Like you know, yeah. um, in in. But then I realized, oh, is, is it a, is it a fake out? Is he pretending to be like this because you know he's trying to hide? Testing him and yeah. But then there's still good stuff. Like you know, there's a relationship between in that. There's still little bits, glimpses, like the relationship yeah. between Luke and Yoda when he's told to go off on the quest. You know, and he sees Vader, and like you know, Yoda tells him, "You don't need your weapons." Like this isn't you know, and he ignores him. Mm. And, you see, and this is where I actually say that, like, you know, the puppetry done is great because you forget. This is why I love puppetry over CGI. Mm. You forget that Yoda's a puppet because I'm sort of going, like, oh, well, Yoda's pissed at this, or he's, <laughs> or he's disappointed in Luke. Like when Luke attacks that version of Vader in the woods and sees his own face in there and stuff, like, you know, and you see Yoda's response and he's like, oh, well, I thought he was the one, but this is clearly like, you know, not the case, or he's disappointed, whatever. Like it shows emotion. Right. So there's great, there's great bits like that. But yeah, it, it, it I think I, I was none of that. None of that worked for me. Mm. I think. That, I, I mean, I think that like that whole vision thing with killing Darth Vader and it's you inside. That's fine, you know, as a dream sequence. But where does it fit in the overall training? Like, mm. I mean, he says, don't bring your weapons, but then he does. Does that mean he would have been killed otherwise? Or what was he supposed to do? What was the version well, of this? What, yeah, where, what is Yoda's program here? Right? Well, like, the, the, I we, trained you to the point where you're going to confront, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, I know. don't understand any of it. No. That's it. But again, much like I've said before, um, you know, what, 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 much like my point of like, you know, what about the monkeys with TH, THX, <laughs> which is, you know, what. The same could be said of uh, Empire with, like, what's the point of do or do not? Right. We we went on about that, saying, like, it is the worst advice he could give. It's the worst (laughs) advice you'd give a trainee. Do it or don't. (laughs) There is no try. Oh, well, I failed that. I might as well go home. Like, it's the the worst advice. I'm going to teach you how to surf. No, do it yourself or don't. (laughs) No, you're going to fall off that board, you know, 20 times. Yeah. Um, and so 
yeah, the sort of the, you know, crappy sort of Taoist, you mm. know, Buddhist kind of uh, talk and that is just garbage. Um, so that that's why I, I found it more frustrating this time. And I think it's, it's taking, the, the more we look at these, the more it takes the shine off the Star Wars franchise for me. Um, because the other thing is we've we've said a hundred times is oh I'm sure that's covered off in a book it's covered off in a novel or a comic or something and like yeah but it's not in the film like it wasn't thought about um, well that's a good point and you're right you have to judge it by what's there mm. now Star Wars has had the advantage of having uh, you know ten thousand you know novels and comics written about it uh, THX didn't have that benefit Alpha Phil didn't have that benefit no. You know, if there were 10,000 Alphaville comics and novels, we would look back and somebody would say, oh, well, you know, it's not clear why the why the city is falling apart when the AI dies. Well, that was explained in this series of novels. In the prequel novel. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and, you know, it's crystal clear. It's like, no, that's not crystal clear. That's not in the film any more than it is not clear in the first Star Wars that Mm. Darth Vader is the father. It yeah. clearly isn't. That's clearly not the case. It's not in the same universe, right? Yeah. That's a retcon. Luke and Leia are not sisters. You know, that is not the case here. Um, so, you know, you can say, oh, in retrospect, fine. But it's so unfair. First of all, that's not the way we judge movies. But also, um, you know, the way it, it, it's interesting to me, like the way that, like, when you, um, you know, I mean, when, when people read the Bible, right, you go mm. to like Bible study and people will say like, oh, well, that's because, you know, Jesus's mother. Well, like it says, oh, they had children together, you know, Mary and Joseph, you know, and it's like, oh, well, it can't mean that they had biological children before Jesus because Mary was a virgin. No, she's not. <laughs> you know, you're applying that concept from elsewhere. That's not correct. It was an, in immacul- yeah, it was an immaculate conception doesn't mean it was a right. virgin birth yeah or you say oh adam and eve you know were kicked out for for sin well the word sin isn't there right mm. they were kicked out for disobeying the tyrant god uh and because god didn't want them to have knowledge of you know to be like gods and, mm. and you know know things um that's true knowledge is the enemy there but it's not that they were kicked out for sin you know um you know we have these ideas that we inherit from what we're told yeah. that then we apply to the text in front of us when what's there in front of us is not, you know, we, so we watch this and think Luke and Leah are sisters. They're not yet. siblings. Darth Vader, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Sister. <laughs> uh Oh <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, we live in a very modern world. Um, no, you're right. You come into this film with a foot with foreknowledge that you've just assimilated from pop culture in many cases. And that gives it a boost, but it's not there in the film in many cases. Um, and I think that comes to like this whole, like you say, the reveal of him being um, his father, that they even have to have a, a point in the second, in the next film where he's like, you said he killed him. Well, from a certain point of view, he did like, you know, it's sort of like even yeah. Ben Kenobi has to sort of try and, um, Retcon his own retcon his own speech from the first film. Um, well, and when you look at these films, and you look at the other thing I was going to say about your your point is when you look at how many things have had to be explained, 
Mm. Like when you look at, oh yeah, these texts explain, you know, the Ben Kenobi thing. Well, this stuff explains, you know, the, the how the timeline screwed up with Anakin, you know, and you just go through and you say like, how do you have like 10 to 12 key points <laughs> to destroy your narrative, you know, if they're not explained by ancillary text? That's not a good thing. No, no. Well, there's all kinds of things as well. Like, you know, they had to sort of like, again, they have to sort of like retrospectively put things in. Even into the third film, they'll do it like uh, in the original, in, in the prequels, because R2-D2 and C-3PO are kicking about mm. and no one goes, mm-hmm. and neither of them go, Skywalker. <laughs> That's an interesting name. That can't be that common. That seems quite familiar. Um, so even like you said, we said, you know, it, it's silliness like that. Like, how is it Darth Vader never went back to the planet he came from? To be like mm-hmm. Skywalker's, oh my, my, you know, my my brother's still kicking, you know, my half brother's still kicking about with uh, his wife. Right. Oh, they've got a kid now, have they? Oh, I'm gonna go pay him a visit. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. And when, when does he learn that Luke Skywalker is his son? That you know, you think that has to take place between movie one and two. You know, where is the Emperor? There is you literally know, there is not yeah. there in one. I mean, there, he literally isn't there. No. There is a comic that does go. I, I assure you, I know. I've read the comic. The no, I've read it but, too. But like, I yeah. have. But my point is, it's not there. No, it's and not. Even that doesn't make sense because there's dialogue in this movie that we pointed out that clearly shows he doesn't know Luke Skywalker is his yeah. son. Yeah. This is my, I mean, it's just my, look. So I gave this a six. And I look back, I gave the first one a six. I think I gave the first one to me. So to me, seven is good. Mm. there are parts of this that are good the hot stuff is solid like i want it to be that pulpy just have fun pulpy adventure right yes and i think that's what it wants to be um and the hot stuff hits that there are points in this that hit that in a way that the first one doesn't and i think it's like star wars is coming into its own in that respect Mm. but i think i gave the you know like six is still fine it's still you know it's still fine it's not a good movie but you know and i think i gave the first one points for establishing that visuals and being so um influential in Mm. that respect and so by the time we get to this it's like no it's still scoring the same points but i think it's better on its own it has less of an influence it's less of a visual thermonuclear bomb thrown into you know the history of sci-fi movies and i do think star wars should get credit for that Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is starting to be a better movie. It's starting to grow up a little bit, but it still kind of collapses under its own weight. So, what do you give it? I actually give it a six point five. Um, sure, be- because of the Hoth stuff being really solid. I think I really enjoy all that, and I do think there are great things in this film. I think there are great moments in this film. I think you know it, it, it's less pulpy like the first one, uh, but still works. The thing that for me, though, I think was the ending. The, I, I still kind of like the ending fight between Luke and Vader. I think, you know, it's lumpy. And I think I still like that because it feels sort of like it, it feels unpracticed and un- sort of like um, I like some of that. More than that, though, I like the actual ending. Like this ends on a cliffhanger, but like mm-hmm. like a, 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 like a, a hopeful downbeat ending. You know, this is a sort of like, and I like that. I think they strike such a good tone 
for the end of this film where like, yeah, here's all this crap that happens. Like Han is taken, Luke's lost his hand, but learned this devastating news. They are on the run, um, all this other stuff. But they're like, right, we're getting our shit together and we've got to get this sorted. Like they're not, they're, they're sort of like mm. down, but not out. And I, I like that as a sort of a, a, uh, a tone that stri- struck for a rebellion. You know, so that that sort of one of the big things for me is the tone that this sets uh, for much of the characters. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I love that ending, and I and I, yeah. I, I do think that I'm a big fan of downbeat endings generally. You know, <laughs> I mean, because all of our stories end in death. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, I mean, like there's there's um. You know, like, is it the Norse sagas where, like, you know, everything goes, you you keep running the timeline forward and you get to, like, the end of the heroic uh, accomplishment. And then you always have those, like, final paragraphs where, like, they lived very happily together and had many children and then they died. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, Just a little reminder. So, I mean, I love the downbeat ending. I think it's very influential. and, and and kudos, you know, for that. Yeah. No, I agree. I think so. I think that mid-range. It's gone down in my estimations as I've grown up, though. As I've sort of grown mm. with it and watched it, I've gone, yeah, this isn't what I thought it was when I was a kid. Uh, and that's not to say it's a kiddie film, but I think my view has changed. And I think this also comes down to something we're going to talk about, which is my shift of star-based franchises. <laughs> yeah. Um. But let's let's. But before we get there, yes, we have Sean Connery slapping women around and chasing down uh, uh, mining because only uh, only a few times committing yeah. committing mass murder uh, in outer space. You know? Yes, yeah, uh, in possibly in the alien universe, uh, Outland from nineteen eighty one. Um, yeah, this is an odd one because I uh, films like this and Alien and and. I was thinking, but there's a couple of others and, and stuff. I've, re- I've I've now coined the phrase. I'm 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 taking it. I love industrial science, space science fiction. I've decided I really yeah. like this thing of sort of like blue collar science fiction uh, when it's done done right because um, it is just sort of like take away the sort of the fantasy sagas and all this other stuff. Just sort of like. Uh, you know, just people trying to do a job, but having it in a future world or in space, whatever, and then having this sci-fi, having that sci-fi twist. And I think it's it's why Alien works for me, and it's why I think this film works for me. Um, and that's why I think sort of the story. It's a western. We, we, we acknowledge that it's yeah. basically High Noon, um, but it's kind of a small story. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of a sort of small. And that, again, I appreciate that. Was Sean Connery the right person for this film? No. Probably not. Um, but I think there's a lot of other people in this film that are really good. Uh, Peter Boyle is fantastic as sort of like the sleazy boss. He's very much like, look, I don't want to be here. You don't want to be here. I want to make this <laughs> as easy as possible for everybody concerned so I can go at the end of this with money in my pocket. Um, and so, yeah, I like. I, I, there's a lot I like about this film. Um, mm-hmm. but it has problems. What about you? I, I would agree with that assessment. I mean, you know, the problems are substantial. Uh, mm-hmm. We talked about them. Having said that, I had never seen this film. Um, you know, 
I I would say I was impressed with it from start to finish. Mm. I it entertained me. It held my attention. Um, you know, I wasn't falling asleep. I mean, these are going straight on the back of the DVD cover. These quotes, um, <laughs> I, but I was awake through the whole thing. <laughs> I, I did not make me, did not make me fall asleep. I mean, I was interested. I followed the plot. I followed the characters. I I found myself thinking about it and wondering. I mean, it does sort of start much better than it finishes, and it yes. sort of starts as a lost gem of the eighties, mm-hmm. and by the time that it's over, you think, yeah, I can see why this wasn't remembered, you know? I mean, not to say that it's not clunky at the beginning with the, you know, wife-beating stuff, you know? But, I mean, there are cringe moments. But it's really, uh, it has that alien aesthetic. It has that, you know, uh, Western and outer space aesthetic, you know? Um, it It's clear, it has the sort of corporate stuff, that, mm-hmm. you know? Ultimately, none of these things come together. Um, and I think the worst thing, so the best thing I can say about it is that it held my attention and, and it works as a movie much better than, say, Logan's Run, mm. where I like, I mean, Logan's Run is far more influential. Everybody knows Logan's Run and nobody knows Outland. Having said that, I'm not gripped by the narrative in Logan's Run. I can easily say, oh, you know, I've got to urinate. I'm going to go take a piss yes. and, and then I'll think, oh, I'm distracted. I got to blow my nose. You know, what am What's I going to on my phone or whatever? Yeah. Right. And the next thing I know, it's like, oh shit, I got to get back to Logan's run. You know, <laughs> um, Outland, I'm not doing that. Outland, I'm like, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm watching this straight through. So I think it works in that sense, just anecdotally for me better. But we've talked about what do we remember? Yes. Going through this list, I thought, Outland, right, what the hell was that? It doesn't stay in mm, my mind. Okay. I mean, you know, like, if I had to describe this plot to somebody, I mean, when am I ever going to recommend this to somebody? And you know what I'm saying? It's weirdly just kind of all disappeared. It's interesting you say that, because again, it's one of those films, I, I mentioned it on the social media sort of again, oh, I'm watching Outland, you know, or we've just, it's actually afterwards. It's, oh, we've just discussed Outland. And I got, and and we never get hundreds of comments, but I got a surprising number of comments of people that came back and went, oh, that's a great film. I haven't watched that in however long or years or whatever. There's a lot of people that seem to remember it, but it's like almost like in the subconscious, like it's there and gone Mm. like, oh, that's a Sean Connery film. Or like, oh, I remember that, but haven't, gone back and watched it like you say it sort of settles in the brain gone mm. and so i appreciate that um but there's something about this film that appeals to me there's something about it that I, I i you know that like you say i get and i think one of the things that's, that's been interesting about one of those weird sort of synchronicities of life i have um there's a there's a series from 2000 ad called brink uh mm. written by mm-hmm. dan abner and 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 uh, Ian Colbard, which I've, if you go over to 20th Century Geek, I'd recently interviewed them and, and spoke to them about this series. And we actually talked about it in that thing and, and Outland came out of it and Dan Abnett was like, yeah, that was totally an influence on this film. Like this idea of sort of like the blue collar cop that's on this these, um, so Brink is sort of like the earth is gone, 
not it's it's unlivable and we the, the earth population now lives in these satellites that are you know around the earth in what they call the brink um and that's what the main character sort of is a bit like she's not like she's it's a female but she's not like sean connery but it's that same thing she works as a marshal uh, in in this situation and this is clearly an influence and what i mentioned it and he was like i'm so glad you mentioned that we talked about this idea of industrial science fiction this blue collar science fiction and so reading brink made this film almost solidify in my mind of going like i want a brink tv show and i want it to look like outland <laughs> um, <laughs> um but there were scenes in this film that i like and again like you say this film is this the, the first half is definitely stronger than the second half mm-hmm. um i like the bits when sort of like he's you know he's um going around he's introduced himself to the sort of the uh the doctor you know and he's sort of mm-hmm. like he, he tells some joke which basically results in he's like you know i'm gonna smash you in the face that's a martial <laughs> joke and you're like what sorry that's not a joke that's a threat um you know sean connery going sort of like doing his thing and i'm like <laughs> but i and i like it when they you see this group of marshals that are overseeing this mining colony and they're very much like we're not here to solve crimes. We're not here to unsettle things. We keep the peace. As long as people get up in the morning or go to their shift and do their thing, like everybody's happy. Yes, there's been punch-ups. Mm. Yes, there's, you know, uh, prostitutes are probably beaten. But, like, you know, it's the it's almost like, you know, the, um, the things we have to sweep under the rug. We have to control the situation rather than enforce the law sort of thing. Right. Um, and I and I love that aesthetic when there's that thing of the reporting back, and so you get this thing of like this is the crew that's bought into the corruption, um, just because the easy life. This is what they've got to do, and so I, I like all that. So when the mystery starts to bubble up, it's like yeah, he's got no one to sort of rely on, and you see that there's sort of like small acts that are enforcing that, like you know when the 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 hooker and the the, the knife guy the the guy with the knife uh, is shot and he's like, he was coming out with a knife and he's like, yeah, was he though? You know, sort of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I like all that stuff stacking up. And then like you say, unfortunately it ends with like a, a, a sort of a weird shootout, but he has recorded evidence of them threatening to come and kill him. And I'm like, why couldn't you use that as evidence to then go basically arrest the guy and right. all this other yeah, that whole. And that whole long waiting sequence, which is so key to the narrative, you know, and to the drama of the narrative of like waiting for the uh, the sort of Damocles to fall. Right. I mean, that's so key to the entire structure of the film and makes no sense. Yeah. And does not work. But but this is where we said, like, this works as a Western because of the lack of technology. Like you have to rely on the cavalry you have to rely on the judge coming to town or whatever you can intercept if it doesn't work in a it doesn't always work in a scientific science fiction future because you have interstellar communication <laughs> um and so yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't quite cohede together yeah but i mean like even in the wild west you know the sheriff could go over and you know arrest the body 
who's in the town, right? Who's calling for, you know, calling for uh, men to, to come and, and back him up. Yeah, but I mean, they usually, usually you've got the thing in the West is that person, the baron, the land baron or whatever, owns the town, runs the town. Right. So you've right. got that thing of like, well, you can try and arrest me, but I can make you disappear and no one's going to care. Right. Like everyone's sure. going to back me up. You can't really have that on a mining colony or, you know, you need a different way. You of can. Yeah, but all right, they don't. But they don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, but I mean, that's what I thought they were going to do. It's just yes. like, he's like, yeah, I'm untouchable. You know, you can arrest me, but like, I don't forget, you can always pay poor people to kill other poor people for you. Mm. You know, like I can get these miners to defend me. You know, they don't have your back. Then that's almost what the film does, but it really yeah. doesn't do that, right? Like people don't defend Connery; his own police force does not back him up. But it's also clear that when he confronts him and punches the villain, that villain has no additional men. He has never had additional men beyond what you're presented with, and so it's not like the western where there's you know usually a squad. This film could have gone one of two ways, and it, it sort of it it. it it's unclear what it wants to do because yeah, he could have sort of marched into that bar at the end and arrested the guy and walked him out. And mm. that been the heroic thing. And, you know, him saying sort of like, you know, you're not going to kill any more people with your poison or whatever. Or he could have been like arresting you is pointless because they'll just install somebody else and it will carry mm. on. So him just going like, I quit. But and then laying the guy out, I, you know, I can't do this job anymore. I've chosen to leave with my wife and son. Like it, it needs right. to be so, clear and, and about if that's the, the case. Then make the choice earlier, so you're not assaulted by the god murderer squad. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah. There needs the ending needs more work. I think that I agree. There needs to be more sort of set up or more structure around the ending of the film. Um, well, let's not forget the weird gender politics of this, of like, basically, <laughs> like, I had a fight with my wife, so I'm going to go commit suicide, you know, in a cause that isn't my cause. Yeah. Uh, because basically, like, my wife won't do what I want her to. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's really the arc of this movie is like, you know, I've gotten my, it's like, instead of I've I've sown my wild oats, you know, sexually, I've sown my wild oats in terms of being a frontier law justice guy. And now I can go back to earth and do what my wife wants. Well, he, try, <laughs> yeah. he tries to sort of, the thing is they try to sort of cover it, don't they? By saying he's obviously been a marshal at multiple places. He's been moved to move from one place to another. He doesn't know that his, he doesn't know whether he is a good man or a, or a failure. And he wants hmm. to, this, this is opportunity for him to redeem himself. And it's, so it's 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 overly macho because she's like, you can walk away. And he's mm-hmm. like, I can't walk away. I have to do this for me, which is a very Western thing. But again, it it sort of comes across a bit petulant. And I think that might be Sean Connery, mm-hmm. where like, you know, he's a yes. bit like where he's more like, no, I shall do my own thing because I'm a man. And you're just like, what? <laughs> um Yeah, it, it, it's the it's the sheer and it's and this is not correct for the 80s right i mean the sheer unreconstructed macho masculinity yeah um you know that that connery typified um you know is is part of the problem here and you know i'm when i think about you know 
uh, Ursula K. Le Guin and feminist science fiction, you know, um, I am reminded of the adage that's been made by many people many times, like uh, these men, predominantly white men, could imagine a future in which, you know, we had contact with aliens, a future in which we had colonized Jupiter, a future in which we had spread the wagon train to the stars across the galaxy and had the force and, you know, a mm. little green Yoda. They couldn't imagine a future where gender roles were really different. <laughs> yeah. And Outland really is a well, bad case in point there. It is. Well, this is this is all the gender politics have been lifted out of a 40s or 50s Western wholeheartedly. Like this is high noon almost to a T, isn't it? Um, and it doesn't play well. I agree with that. Um, and, and the the doctor's good, right? Yeah, I she mean, the is great. Exactly. Like from another movie in yeah. terms of gender roles, you know. Yeah. But it's like you can't have the hero be like a guy who makes Clint Eastwood look like you know a hippie, yeah. uh, you know, and also have like the tough time. Like these do not belong in the same movie together. Yeah. Other. Yeah. There's a weirdness to that because again, I even think. And I think Connery is one of the biggest problems in this film because he's inconsistent from scene to scene. Like, mm-hmm. is he supposed to be slightly soft-hearted but curmudge- you know, slightly curmudgeonly? Or, like you say, is he trying to be Dirty Harry in mm-hmm. space? Like, he he never seems entirely sure what he wants this character to be from scene to scene. And so there are scenes where he's played... Um, you know, like that. And then there's other scenes. There's, yeah, there's scenes where he's talking to the doctor or something and he's trying to sort of, oh, I've got to have a bit of vulnerability or I'm showing with my son or whatever. And then the next scene is him with somebody else and he might as well be, you know, mm. threatening to shoot them in the face. You know, it's sort of... I, I forgot about that phone call with his son. That, oh, is, God. that is one of the worst scenes <sighs> in all of the movies we have covered. Yeah, I mean, in terms of just in lack of emotional awareness and well, lack of awareness of your own plot. <laughs> well, I think one of the problems again, this comes back to Connery. Is like, as you said, like Connery, you you hit the nail on the head when you said, "Well, Connery hit a stride at one point with Bond and some other stuff, and thought he was better than all this stuff." I mean, he he notoriously read. He was originally approached for as Gandalf for Lord of the Rings, read the script, and was like, "I didn't understand it, so I turned it down." You know, sort of like notoriously doesn't get this kind of stuff. Um, and the only reason he did Highlander because it got it gave him a chance to sort of go and film in certain parts of Scotland, and he was basically he could go and do what he wanted in Scotland. So there's things well, like that. I, um, and, and remember, I think he was offered Morpheus in the Matrix and yes. also turned it down. And so having turned down so many big parts like that that he didn't understand his response was to accept league of extraordinary gentlemen because he didn't understand it and yeah he has said on record he said before he died on record that's why he took the role oh no i've seen i've seen the interviews like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah what the hell yeah no i mean and, and then he plays it like he doesn't know what movies is it he's in Oh no no no! Well, he anything that's science fiction or fantasy, like, he doesn't get it at all. And it's clear. I mean, yeah, it was like, yeah, I was sent the scripts for this, didn't understand it. It became multi-billion, so we sent something else. He's like, do it, and you're like, no, but th- this one's shit. <laughs> yeah, right. This <laughs> one can... doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one's not good. No, 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 do it. And it's so, yeah, but the same with like you say, it's quite clear that he doesn't quite get this film. 
And I, mm. I, you know, I think there are people. I mean, if you think High Noon, you know, it, you know, is is Jim Stewart is Jimmy Stewart. It's got these other people that have got much more pathos and much more range. And I think that's the problem with a lot of this. Harrison Ford would have been probably a good, yeah, fit well, for this I, film. I kept, I you kept know. thinking, you know, Blade Runner, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, this is, you know, I mean, the guy from Alphaville would have been fine, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, and so I think that's the problem. Um, however, I I think and we I think I'm seeing a bit of a theme hmm. um, with what we're talking about with this first block of films is we are degrees off. And I said this in the thing, like this film could be, everyone could take Outland and remake it. And I think you could make a really mm. good, intense kind of, make, you know, correct all these issues, get someone good to play, you know, that, that, that role of the Marshall. Um, and I think you've got the makings of a classic. Um, this yeah. is, this is degrees off being a really, as you said, like this is a, when you watch the opening of this film, you're like, Oh, how have I never seen this film? Yes. And, then, and then by like 40 to 50 minutes, you're like, oh, that's what, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think certainly maybe halfway through, I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm kind of starting. And by the end, it's like, right, I sort of understand why this disappeared. Yeah. But it's not that it's that bad. But I no. agree with you, like, so, you know, um, what did you give this? Six. Very, very interesting. I gave this a 5.75. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I know gradations, which is well, we both gave it the same thing we gave Logan's Run. Yeah, which is hey, good for Outland, right? It's the less famous of those movies. Uh, we both think it's on par with Logan's Run. And I, and I think both Logan's Run and Outland, I will go back and watch both of these again at some point in the future. And and interestingly, I mean, I think when we did the 100th episode and looked at the data, like I think that our our scores, you know, correspond relatively relatively well, but they're like a point, a half a point off of each other. Mm. Uh, here's what's interesting is we both gave Empire Strikes Back above Logan's Run and Outland. Um, me by 0.25, right? <laughs> Which is why I've got, and you by 0.5. So, I mean, we're, we're really talking about the same thing, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Empire, it's the Hoth stuff that really pushes Empire. I could, mm. I could just watch that first 40 minutes and be like, yeah, I'm done now, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm done for that film. Um, no, I mean, I think there's enough good there that I think I want Star Wars to actually be like the original trilogy chopped up as an episodic pulp, you know, mm-hmm. serial, movie serial. I always felt that, even as a kid. I was like, I want it to actually be a serial. Um, yes. Which it I might guess work now better. With the, the Disney Plus shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but onto the other star, the other star uh, franchise. Star Trek. Yeah, Star Trek uh, Two. Star Trek Two: The Wrath, the Wrath of, Khan. of Khan, which is a pendulum swing away from the motion picture. But I still love the motion mm. picture. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm planning on picking up. I haven't seen. Well, I've got the, there's a new a new uh, scanning of the, the director's cut available and I'm going to be picking that up soon um, but yeah Star Trek 2 1982 a very different film and actually for me now watching it I've, I've watched this film a, a dozen times and more but this time coming at it with a, with a, with a critical eye made me like it even more 
Um, uh, we'll get into it, but what, what are your sort of thoughts and reflections? Well, I mean, you know, my strength and disability as a critic is being overly analytical and <laughs> coming from it as a writer myself. Mm. Um, and I was always a fiction writer and a, and a sort of structural writer um, who was concerned with consistency and, you know, follow through and everything. Not one of these like willy nilly, you know, sort of like uh, David Lynch, like, well, it felt good to me at the moment kind of yeah. lines. And so for me, I always come back to how just meticulously written this is, how you know, when we talk about like, the, this does not have, let's be crystal clear, this does not have anything deep to say about life and death, but those are themes mm. that are woven throughout in a, a you know, a, a textbook way. I mean, you can teach this movie in creative writing classes for how you do this and do this well. Mm. Um, you know, where nobody's telling you you know, I mean, this is not a passion project that was like, you know, a, a thesis on my idea of Taoism or something, you know, but it's just so meticulously crafted uh, from a writing standpoint. And I think that that blood feud between, you know, I mean, this is this movie, let's be clear, is why people say Khan is the great villain of Star Trek and Star yeah. Trek lacks great villains. It's all down to this. It's not down mm. to space seed. It's down mm. to the sort of and, and blood feud between the two of them, which again you could just invent a character who has a blood feud, right? Yeah. I mean, it's and so to me that's not anything intrinsic in Khan in from space seed. There's nothing about Khan as a genetically superior person from the 1990s uh, eugenics wars that is even in this film. Mm. All that matters is that he's smart and he really hates Kirk. Yeah. And from that, you get this brilliant blood feud of uh, chess move, of move and counter move with these this wonderful pacing that sort of gets really fast and then slows down and has these moments of defeat and sadness with being a father and seeing Genesis and life. And, you know, and all, all of it just works so masterfully for me. Mm. I'm rambling, no, but no, no, no. I agree. I mean, I think for me, I agree. I think this this film, it was even talking about it, sort of like even crystallized it even further. Like the fact that you pointed out that like they share scenes, but they never share a room between mm -hmm. Kirk and Khan in this film. They are never in the same room or on the same deck of a ship. Like this is too. This is like this is this is almost like a, a seat. This is a, a truly seafaring battle this is two galleons going at it sort of thing like where two captains are chasing each other down and stuff like you know um and i and i love that that they are separated in that way um but more than that i think one of the things i noticed in this and i, I mentioned was how it feels like a farewell this you, you said that this was originally supposed to be a swan song this was it like okay mm -hmm. we had the motion picture we'll do one more and then we're out sort of thing you know um and it feels like that and this sort of thing, but because it undermines so much that went before, like, you know, you've introduced to Kirk with that backlit silhouette, hands on mm. hips, kind of sort of like, you know, heroic pose. And then he, and then, and then the next thing he's putting on glasses and he can't read, you know, the bottom the, fr the front of a bottle. And he's talking about his birthday and age and, 
you know, oh, we're not what we used to be kind of thing. And it's it's all heroes get old kind of thing. And this sort of saying this thing about mm-hmm. age and and but the thing about regret of things that we've done in the past. And you know, like um I love um uh Chekhov's response. It, it, again, like there's some little scenes where he finds the scene that he finds the thing that says Botany Bay. And he's like, Botany mm-hmm. Bay, Botany Bay, and it realizes and he's like, Oh, oh shit, <laughs> like you know. This is this can't be good, and after all, they they run to get out there, and and there's those things of just like the past hangs about in in the Trek universe more so, mm. and what what's funny is um, having compared this sort of or talking to this about uh, Empire Strikes Back and the Star Wars universe, and they use the Battle of Yavin, don't they? The sort of the end of of uh, Star Wars as this sort of like you know like this birth of Christ kind of moment where it's sort of like, you know, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, you know, 10 years beyond yay, you know, why, uh, bat, uh was it YB, Yavin battle, B, Y, whatever it is. And, but, but it, you know, they, they build that into, um, empire in the Star Trek universe seems to build into it. This sort of idea of legacy. Star Wars universe. Sorry, Star Wars, sorry, Star Wars sort of like it wants to, cause it's all about fathers and sons. And, mm. and that's the point. <laughs> At least it ends up being that. But Star Trek, whilst I would say being more casual about that, at least to begin with, has mm-hmm. almost like organically grown this very detailed timeline of things have taken mm-hmm. place that has a dating system. You're like, okay, well, there was the Klingon War and then there was this event and then Kirk did this. He became an admiral and Picard became captain of the so-and-so and there's all this other stuff. But it's almost like it's there, whilst it's the key part of the Star Wars universe is its history, its legacy. In in the Star Trek universe, it's it's there, and there is definitely always going to be this thing of legacy, especially as, as more and more gets built into it. But it always feels there as sort of like, oh, we can tap into it rather than it being important. Like we can do this thing and have our own story, but we can also tap into the legacy. We can tap into the history because we've got all these cultures to tap into as well. And it gets utilized better and wider, for my point. Mm. And so that's why I think, like with Star Trek Two, it's like you know, yes, it's it follows on from Space Seed, but it feels almost like yeah, it should do. like it feels natural to me, like it feels like a great extension of it because that's how well written it is, um, and tapping into this thing. But then there are things like it introduces Kirk's son, mm. And it feels, but that still feels more organic than finding out that Vader is Luke's father. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. you could have a great moment in this where Kirk's like, you know, Adam, I am your father, <laughs> sort of like. But no, it's between him and and his uh, um, Carol, not Carol, Carol, wasn't it? Carol Marcus, yeah, Carol Marcus, and the kid is David. I yeah, think. sorry, David. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's like um, where they have a bit where he's like, "Look, I did what you asked mm. me to. I stayed out of the way." Like here's right. the here's the justification just in dialogue. He's like, you know, I knew you didn't want me around and, and this other stuff. And it's impacted the way sort of you know, subconsciously impacted the way David sees Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And it just works. And again, because of the way it's written, and I, I even credit like Shatner for some of his performance in this, where mm. I'm like, No, no, you you know what this is. You are aging and you've you're not the heroic square jawed explorer of the sixties that we know of the of the original series. You're a little bit more jaded. You're a bit more sort of you're older and wiser and and carrying a few more scars, and I like that. And that's what I feel about the whole crew of this. So, 
yeah, no, there's just something about this film that just works on every level, and there's so much more to it. You say it's not trying to say anything, but the themes are strong. But I think with that, yeah. I think with that, though, it sort of, it says it quietly. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like it, it's about, it is about something. It is, but it's about it quietly. It's not trying to push it in your face right up until yeah. the end with the, with the death of, of Spark. I'm just saying, like, you know, I one thing that I really, having having founded an organization to talk about popular culture, mm. one of the things that I really hate is when, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, this is about something. It has something to say. And I'll think, well, yes, I mean, granted, I want popular culture to be respected. And I think you can have something to say in a Star Wars movie just as much as in, you know, War and Peace. Mm. Um, you know, if, if you want to, there's no reason why sci-fi and superheroes can't be used to bear real weight. Having said that, I don't think that this film is really doing that. Mm. I think that there's a difference between, like, like having a thesis and, and having themes. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think that, like... Um, you know, I, I just uh, was rewatching with a friend, uh, White Lotus. Mm. Um, I, I think sometimes you see a devastating work of art that's just you watch how, say, a, a woman is churned up by society, right, through double standards, and and or the way wealth in black in White Lotus season one destroys people, mm. uh, churns people up, even when the people with wealth don't intend to destroy those those poor people um these systems of oppression and advantage um that is getting closer to a kind of thesis you can imagine a paper being written about that that says mm. not just here's a theme but here's how privilege works in society um you know the thesis here is people get old you know <laughs> and and you know death comes for us all what i think is the more you know watching it this time the more i um i do sort of think that this pulls its punches at the end both with mm -hmm. the uh, mm -hmm. you know he was the most human sort of like well spock would have hated that and yeah. also this line about i feel young um the more as i thought about it since recording that podcast um I, i've reappraised that again and it you know and it feels wrong to me now mm. um and i feel like the better movie would be him saying, I feel old. I mean, this planet that's, you know, because when we see young people, you makes you feel older. Yes. Um, and so when you see that beautiful Genesis planet, you should feel older, yeah. not younger. And you've just lost your friend of decades. Yeah. No, you should feel old. And this should you be could... a downbeat empire ending. Well, but it no. doesn't want to. No, well, I think this is the thing, and I think this is you're right, and I agree. That the 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 last section of this film, I won't say the third, because the finale, I think, is is mm. brilliant. It's the, it, yeah, it's the sort of you know they want to put the, the the cream on the top, don't they? and I think this comes to what they wanted. And I, again, I I see what you're saying, mm. and I said it about the you seeing the coffin on on the Genesis planet. The last five, ten minutes of this film is we're done, but we might be back. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? It's that thing of like, if, if Kirk was be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm knackered. I can't do this again. Like, you ain't getting a, you're not getting a three because it makes no sense. What, what I think there or, is. Or I should have stayed retired, right? Yeah. 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 Like, Oof, I came I'm back doing... and look what happened. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm going back to, you know, wherever. I'm going back to my, um, ranch or whatever admiral's you know yeah position on earth a better way and is to say is to say because the whole film acknowledges their age and at no point do they get more youthful or more vigorous it's not like you sometimes have seen (laughs) films where they're all sat around and they're like they've given up and but by the end of the film they're running around because they feel invigorated like this film isn't that what and i think more of a trek line for Kirk would have been now I feel old but I feel hopeful mm-hmm. yeah you know, I think that, that's a good point you know I see a I see a future in these generations ahead of us like this young crew right. that we've gone out with and all this other stuff like no I feel I feel old but I feel mm-hmm. hopeful you know that's what it should that's a trek ending that's sort of like and that's Roddenberry through that's right. through, isn't it like that's the, the nod to Roddenberry that would have been a better line I think for Kirk and you're mm-hmm. right about also the sort of the most human of us. It would have been sort of like you know, doesn't need no. that. It's just it's just a he was my friend, right? You know he or even like you know we he wasn't human, but he was you know was my friend. You know yeah. that thing of just or, acknowledging. Or, or another way of saying it is he expressed the things that make me proud to be a human. Yeah, better than the humans that I know. Yeah, that would have felt powerful right yeah you know an acknowledgement of, of yeah he brought out the best great... in kirk that's the thing like he mm. he he made me a better yeah you know, he was vulcan but he made me a better human sort of thing um yeah and and he could have he could have said he didn't like humans and didn't yeah. want to be a human having said that he was a better human than most of us you know yeah. that kind of like acknowledgement of his position he should be so lucky to yeah. be a good man as Spock was. Yeah. You, know? you got to be careful how you do that because, yeah, they're, they're obviously... <laughs> but you see what you're saying, you know, yeah. it's, it's, that's exactly what you want, that acknowledgement of his position and, and how it's affected um, Kirk. Um, and then it, it just pans to, you know, McCoy in the corner mumbling, sort of like, I'm just glad the green-blooded Vulcan's dead. Motherfucker, sort of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oof, McCoy, well, or, or... bones, at it, at it again. <laughs> right, or or it, it pans over to you know uh, Kirk's empty empty ruffled uh, bed in his quarters, you know, yeah. just to just to remind you of the slash fiction. That, that's really that, yeah, know. that came later. Actually, I tell you what, <coughs> what it should have oh, been. Th- it was going on earlier than this. Oh, was it? It was okay. really like late seventies where that, but it was like underground in like you yeah, know, yeah yeah yeah. But even I think McCoy should have been acknowledged more in this. Like even McCoy, mm, but not not, yeah. I don't know, not shedding a tear, but like acknowledging sort of the emotion. But yeah, no, anyway. Well, no, go on. Well, I, I mean, that's true. It does sort of throw away the sort of classic triumvirate kind of thing. McCoy's mm. not very important. But I will say, you know, um, it is, you know, without belaboring the point, comparing it to Empire, right? Like Empire is a young franchise getting started. Yeah. And, and I am continuously reminded of how important this film is for what we see now out of aging franchises, you know, we're going to get Indiana Jones five, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we're, this movie is closer to um, 
the Star Wars sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> so, and I think that, you know, you think about how unsatisfying Han Solo's death was mm. and, and Luke Skywalker's death was. I mean, imagine if this was, you know, uh, comparable to like The Force Awakens and it kept its focus on the original cast and had Spock die. You know, mm. like it's years later. We're going to catch up. They're old. We're going to acknowledge they're old. There's no glamour or glory about it. They're not running around blowing up a new Death Star. You know, they're having this vicious fight with one guy, yeah. you know, and um, and Spock dies, you know, yeah. Han Solo dies, whatever, you know, whatever the equivalent is. I think I, I think, think this compares better to most of these more recent. Yeah. You know, fr- older people continue. Oh, no, weirdly, what I would say is on that note mm-hmm. is um, we have built up, and this started around this period, we have built up a series of iconic um, characters and iconic heroes that are tied very much to an actor. Uh, but what we have also been presented with repeatedly through cartoons uh, and comics and other pop culture is is unaging heroes. Mm-hmm. Batman never ages. Right? Superman never ages. You know, Captain America never ages. Like, yeah, they have to keep adjusting things in the comics. You know, like the Punisher, for example, was Vietnam and then it was Korea. Then it was whatever. Like, they have to move those things along for them to be able to not age. They have to keep shifting the continuity. But the problem is actors do age. I mean, you know, even like Robert Downey Jr. sort of came to Iron Man relatively old. He was in his, his, you know, whatever, like 40s. And even he was like, by sort of like uh, Endgame was like, no, I'm done. Like physically, like, you know, I I can't keep doing this stuff. Um, But we can't let go. We can't seem to let go of these heroes the only ones that have succeeded have been ones that have been able to be recast successfully like we've mm-hmm. recast batman mm-hmm. and, and we've re, 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 recast james bond repeatedly could you recast indiana jones could you recast like arnie is the bloody terminator they keep having to come up with ridiculous excuses as to why this 70 year old man is now powering around with a machine gun like at least like the, the, the rambo is a good example of like at least like the the last rambo last blood addresses age Mm. and and trying to change we have never replaced those heroes we've just aged with them and now they are all aging out and we do not know how to let go and i think that's that's a real problem with some of these things where you know we're trying to introduce new heroes and it you know we we need to be accepting of age and i don't think we are as much you know i think we were more accepting of aging heroes in the 80s than we are now I think that's right. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, I gave this an 8.5. I gave it an 8. Wow. Mm. Yeah, good show. Mm. Getting very yeah. close. It's a very good, it's a, it's a very, very good film. It's, it's the highlight, I'd say, of the... Uh, well, is it, actually? Because we've got mm. one more. I might be given Howard the Duck and well. Nine. Yeah. Howard the Duck. <laughs> 1986. No, no, no. Howard the Duck. We've had enough people. I, I mean, we've, we've got to wrap up, but we've had yeah, enough yeah. people hate us for what we've said about Star Wars and Star <laughs> yeah. Trek. You know, if we're like, hey, that'll be the final nail in our coffin. You know, every <laughs> everyone's going to switch copy off. of the podcast will be burned, you know, um, around the country. 
if we say, you know, nine for Howard and the Duck. <laughs> um, Having said that, I I do think Howard the Duck is a fun movie. We both yeah. like this movie, and we both think this is massively underrated. I, yeah, I think it's one of those films that I think, watching it this time, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think, mm. uh, you know, the cast are fun. I think they, they sort of know... Um, they know what they're, what they're yeah, they know what they're in, you know. Yeah. Um, everyone from Tim Robbins to Jeffrey Jones know exactly what this is, you know. They're like, Oh, we've got a duck running around uh Cleveland, <laughs> fine, we'll go with it. Um, it fine, it weirdly goes in places like when it's got sort of these Lovecraftian, like interstellar mm. overlords. Um, no, I think, I think there's, there's something about this film that actually. We, you made the comparison of like Bookaroo Banzai and this being a, a more enjoyable film. There are films, I was thinking about it, and there are films from the 80s that aren't good, you know, on, on the, the usual level. So, like, I, 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 I have a fondness for Bookaroo Banzai, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, uh, Invaders from Mars. There's all these films that I've got, I mean, I've got them on my shelf. Like, you know, I can look at my shelf over <laughs> here and I'm like, yeah, I've got all these weird these films from the eighties that and around this period, you know, um, that just don't seem to, that, that, you know, that got sort of cult status. But for mm. some reason, this film doesn't sit in that category. Yet, I think yeah. sits definitely sits shoulder to shoulder with those films. In, in some cases, is slightly better than them. Um, I agree completely, and and I am shocked at how just how hated this movie is. Mm. Um, but I do really think it comes down to you know because I was one of them. You know, the comic fans who felt uh, disrespected by popular yeah. culture, and you know we forget how extreme that was. Yes. Um, you know, I I had a professor who not only said. Uh, I mean, when I started Secboard, it was in response to stuff like this. I had a professor who not only said comics weren't art um, and, and could never be considered art, but then added that if if I wanted to take them seriously, I need to change their name from comic books because they're not comic little strips. Mm. You know, and it was like, what the fuck are you talking about? You pretentious <laughs> prick, you know? Um, and so, but at the time where you know, where there was no respect, but also that lack of respect was tied to that concept of being for kids yeah. and being comic, right? Funny animals. A thing that was taking the piss out of funny animals was not a good representative of comic books. Mm. So, well, I, mean, I think one of the things you, you, in watching this film and knowing a little bit of behind the scene politics and stuff like it is clear that there was originally a a harder edged <laughs> version of this film yes and and yeah. someone in the studio was like but it's it's about a duck like is this for kids who's this for can we have a rap song or can we have a can we have a film song tied in can we have a song tied into the film at the end of it? Can I have how do we merchandise? How do we market this film? Like who is it for? Mm. Like I, I can yeah. imagine the notes coming in about this, like them having all kinds of problems with like who the hell is this for? Um, right. yeah. And and you know, not fully understanding, going like, you know, I, I can't imagine any of the 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 
the producers in the office is reading Steve Gerber's work and being like, oh, that's what it is. It's a satire. And going like, they're just going, why is Donald Duck running around Cleveland with this set, set of like attractive young woman? Why does Donald Duck seem horny? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which which sounds brilliant. Like that sounds like such a hit now. And mm. but you know, it's 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 post. Um, you know, Jessica Rabbit, and you know, no, uh, this is pre. This is pre Jessica Rabbit. This is well, I'm saying us now, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. This movie, not just for comic book movies, and I do think even as a comic book movie, it's a better movie than Thor. You know, I mean, it just is. It's yeah, not a superhero movie, but it's like Alien comes down and you know it doesn't fit into our culture and safety. Fish out of water, from, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I think it does that better than a lot of other movies. But it also is a prefigures that kind of uh, cool, cool world, sort of like adult. You know, James Gunn kind of like, yeah, we're superheroes, but we're dirty. Yeah. You know, and this it could have done that better, but yeah, well. It's funny, Why did we, you know, we, we have we have people rehabilitating the Masters of the Universe movie. Don't <laughs> OK, like that has been like pretty yeah. rehabilitated. How has this movie not? Well, I'm going to stand on this, right, because there's two things I want to say, like this thing around aliens. Coming out, you mentioned like Earth Girls are easy, which I still mm. think has probably not the widest um cult following, but it's definitely got a cult following. Like, I've seen it. It's got, you know, uh, a, a decent following the coneheads uh, meet the apple gates like there's all these weird films that came out around the, the late 80s early 90s about that fish out of water or like aliens or whatever coming down and, and, and trying to blend in but this film seems to have been yeah is still maligned because it's a marvel comic and i think it's sort of like oh it disrespects steve gerber's work and it's this and it's that but I think you're right. I think I want to stand on a platform now and say, let's start the rehabilitation of Howard the Duck as actually a rather fun and silly sort of alien fish out of water 80s movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. <clears throat> Sign me up for the yeah. Mary Marvel Marching Society uh, <laughs> for this film. Um, I, I would say in terms of why it hasn't been rehabilitated, it occurs to me that you know, now that we're in a position where we don't need comics to be cool and, you know, successful, mm -hmm. so we don't have to look down on this as a failure in that respect. Now we're in this weird period where especially Marvel fans love everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, think there's nothing bad. And but in retrospect, paint everything that was a Marvel movie not made by Marvel slash Disney as a piece of shit, right? Ooh, so in well, retrospect, like the Fox movies get trashed, you know? The I mean, I would defend the Fox X-Men movies as very yeah. mixed, but certainly on par with the, with the Marvel you know, Cinematic Universe film. I mean, the, the Fantastic Four movies get trashed, and they're not good. They're not yeah. good. But, but <clears throat> it was their success that made Marvel think they could make movies out of stuff like Iron Man. Well, um, yeah, I, th I think and, and so, yeah. this is weird. There, there is, there's a, there's a, and I agree with this wholeheartedly. What we're saying, but I was going to point out that you said all of them get trashed, <clears throat> apart from weirdly, mm. like specific films get pulled out. Like you said, like X Men Two still gets lauded by a lot of people mm. as going, like, oh no, X Two is good, 
and obviously, you know, they obviously talk about like Logan and stuff. But like, you know, and oh, I, yeah, st- yeah. I, I, I right. still like X two. I think it's fine. It's it's good. I haven't gone back for years. But Blade, Wesley Snipes, Blade gets lauded as being, and that was a huge success. That made quite a lot of money. It's an eighteen. It's a it's a it's an R or whatever in, in the states. Um, that's a hard hit. That's a that's a vampire horror film that was based on a, you know, um, one of the ones that I think Sony made it. I can't remember. It's one of those, mm. but like, um. Was I, think the, I think the oh, original Spider-Man stuff still yeah, Sp- uh, yeah, yeah, Spider-Man 1 and 2 still get loaded. So there's, there's specific yeah. films, but you're right, the majority get sort of trashed. And I think I think Howard isn't even in that conversation. Howard just gets yeah. forgotten. Much like let's you know the canon Captain America from um <laughs> the, the 1990, which is awful and wonderful in equal measures. Hmm. Um but um yeah, I don't know. There's something about How the Duck watching this time where I was watching it and I'm like, this film clearly doesn't know who it's for. Like it has a whole hmm. dance number that is very back to the future. You know, it's got it's got these little <laughs> nods and I'm like, oh, this is very kid friendly. And this is very however it starts with like, you know, duck boobs and a condom joke and um play duck. Play duck and some terrible yeah. duck puns. But like, um, yeah. I, it, but, well, nothing epitomizes this more than the seduction scene. That where literally the characters chicken out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like I want to, I want to fuck you so bad. I'm, I'm just kidding. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's so, and then and then it turns to a silhouette of what's going on for them to then be interrupted. So the yeah. film, the film keeps sort of like you know, yeah, pulling its punches. And I even said like you know, I think it's quite clear, and I never asked Ed Gale this, and maybe I should have done, but like it's quite clear, like the scene when Howard, um makes noises at those kids at the museum the the science museum like it's quite clear that like he, he just goes blah, blah, blah. like it could mm. be anything but it, it, it i'm not saying it looks like because the mouth doesn't articulate enough but like there's scenes where you're going mm. like, oh no like they were supposed to say something else like there was there was yeah. r-rated language in this that got changed and probably got re-recorded at times yeah yeah, and there are a lot of scenes where you know it's like that almost doesn't it like the rhythm is off. Yeah, that exactly. Yeah, it's like yeah, that works with the word fuck. It yeah. does not work in this version. Yeah. Exactly, and I think so there's I agree a, with you. I think there's a couple of things that, and I wonder if that is the case. But I do. I'd love to rehabilitate how the doc. I think it needs to be revisited, and I think people that are you know trash this film say like, oh, it's totally all over the place and stuff. Yeah, but I think there's a reason for that. But other tonally mixed films get praised. But also, I think mm-hmm. this film's just fun. Like the whole thing with the diner is 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 great fun. Jeffrey Jones, despite his place in history now, is great as the as the the side. I, yeah, I don't know. This is I just enjoy this film. I, it just makes me chuckle. Um, it is enjoyable. I mean, there are a few cringe moments along oh, the yes. way, and oh, God, yeah. of, you know, like what's going on, you know, moments. But um, you know, you're right about the diner, and I sometimes do wonder if. Uh, you know, we've talked about a few movies like you know Outland that sort of like mm. start strong and then start to go off the tracks. This is a movie that starts a little weak and uncertain, and by the end of it, it is much more confident in mm. what it is. Yes, it's got the dance number at the end, but like it knows it's more silly. And I think from that diner scene through the climax, despite a bunch of silly stuff, it yeah. really works. Yeah. And I am just with that film. And I can't say that about many movies. 
No. Especially movies where they're blowing up an alien in the climax. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm fine with it. And and I'm along for the ride for a solid, you know, 30, 45 minutes there. You know, that is really super rare for me. And so, you know, for me, yeah, let's rehabilitate the hell out of this. And let's use 80s nostalgia. And Leah Thompson, you know, mm. who I I do have to get a DeLorean and go back in time to uh, you know, <laughs> have a crush on. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. I think we should. We're going to sort of. We're going to uh, fly fly the flag for Howard the Duck. Um, you know th- that was the last episode, so I'll be interested. You know what people came back with. Uh, but what did you give it then? What What was your score for Howard the Duck? I'll so be interested. I've given Howard the Duck a six point five. So have I. Um, <laughs> there you go. See, I think my thinking is it's not. It's not a seven. It's not a good movie, right? No, but it is. But six point five—that's better than Star Wars. It's better than Empire Strikes Back in my book. I mean, it's on I know par. I've, gonna... put it, I've put it on <laughs> yeah. par with Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I think that's fair, and, and they both have different advantages. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean that you know, on a, on, you know, a, a ten-point list that it beats Empire in every single dynamic. Obviously mm. not. But you know, it works better as a movie. Honestly, you know. I mean, it's not as visually stunning. It's not as whatever. But I mean, you know. Can I can I just say that we have got three films in this sort of half season linked with George Lucas, and mm. the one with the highest score overall is Howard <laughs> the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's actually fair. I mean, um, yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it's definitely, you know, when I think about you know it's fun i it's mm. definitely for me i i i can't go lower than six you know no. um it's a solid it's fine it is least, I think it's, yeah right? i think yeah i think it's fine i think it's good fun i think it has its high it, it is totally inconsistent i think i the duck puns are terrible the usage of yes. putting duck on the end of things is awful um i think the but i think again going back to that i think the animatronic animatronics and the puppetry are great for a large portion of it, I love the uh, the Overlord design. I think the cast are good. I think I think that I listened to the score. I found the score on mm. Amazon Prime, and I listened to it. Um, <laughs> and the songs sung by uh, Leah Thompson and her band are actually really good. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, as a Leah Thompson fan. Yeah, no, I enjoyed them. So um, I think to to end this, I was a bit unsure how it was going to go with Howard the Duck. But I'm, I'm glad I brought it into the mix. Absolutely. Um, but we are not we're done. This is this other thing. I think any final thoughts on Howard before we, just, before we wrap up? Because we have gone for, you know, quite a bit on this. Um, yeah, so we're both at, you know, an average of uh, you're at 5.75 on average and I'm at 5.79. There you go. So yeah. you're slightly we're more very positive. Close. But yeah, I think it's a, yeah, it's, very it's a very, it's a very middling kind of run yeah. i think in the early films i think you know we've, we've come across them however we've got some biggies coming up i'm going to run through the next um mm-hmm. the next 12 that we've got coming so in the next episode um we have arnold coming in um <laughs> with the running man uh we're then going to eat, talk about uh the kevin costner mad max attempt Waterworld. uh masterpiece Dark- We'll rehabilitate that even more than Howard the Duck. Quite possibly. And then just, we're then going to just. I doubt it, but. No, we'll see. 
we'll see. I, um, it's starting to appear on lists of films that should be mm. rewatched. Um, Dark City from 1998, uh, the one, an animated film that I think gets a lot of love, but I'm interested to go back to The Iron Giant, mm-hmm. um, the Japanese classic Battle Royale, um, the uh, American Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah, which I, I'm glad to talk about. Uh, the Bayverse first Transformers, uh, which is getting good. Uh, time Crime. Where's t- Time Crime's Japanese? Was it Spanish? No, Spanish. That's Spanish. Tokyo and, Gore and Police. Must love it. Yeah, yes, Tokyo I've heard. Gore Police. Yeah, Japanese. Very violent. Yes, ridiculous. Can't, can't kind of. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, Hard to be a god, which is a French film. Russian. Russian. Bloody hell! I'm going all over the place. So Russian. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if it's not America or England, it's all it's it's known as the rest. What we call it, private <laughs> the rest, the rest. <laughs> I'm going around everywhere else. I've got to. Uh, that'd be fine. Um, uh, Blade Runner 2049, 20, uh, 2017, and then the last one is a film I've been wanting to watch for an awful long time, and I'm holding off till we get to this. Possessor from 2020, which I've heard really good things about. So we have got a really good mix coming up. We've got animation, we've got Japanese, we've got, so we've got some foreign language, we've got Arnold, Kevin Costner, mm-hmm. uh, Dark City I'm looking forward to talk about as well, because mm-hmm. I've got I've got a lot of thoughts on that and its director's cut. Um, and we've, yeah, we've got a sequel in um, Blade Runner 2049 as well. So we're following up our other things of sequels to films that we have done before. So ladies and gentlemen, I want to say it's a, we've got a good lot to come in, but uh, first off, Julian, thank you very much for going through this this half season with me. It's been an absolute yeah. joy. Um, thank you. Thanks for <coughs> what an ambitious thing we're doing uh, mm. to go through a whole year of uh, a movie every two weeks. And you know, thank you to the viewers, to the listeners, for you know following through with us. Mm. And you know, let us know what you think. Yeah, do you know what you've been your yes. thoughts? Have we been wrong? Have we have we bashed on Star Wars enough? Should we just leave it alone now? Um, or we, you're yeah. banned from ever discovering anything? Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. We should probably one day cover off the fight, you know, uh, Return of the Jedi we'll, just we'll to cover return off. at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and let us know what you think of but, what's coming up. We've got some great films coming up. Um, but yeah, but Julian, yeah. thank you. It's been an absolute joy. Some in some cases, talking about the film. Has been more fun than watching the film. Um, yes. yes, let's let's just, yeah, just, 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 just leave Godzilla. To... Let's just leave Godzilla and Fantastic Voyage in the corner. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, you know, those are those are not movies anybody should be forced to watch. No, but anyway. We're going to wrap up. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. And if you enjoy what we're doing, go obviously check out our Patreon. We've got us talking about trekking through the Twilight Zone, which you are checking out the first season in between each of our fortnightly episodes of movies. There's more on there. We're, sort of, we're getting through the third season. We've got loads of stuff going on there. Um, 30 minute thoughts of me just giving my thoughts on different things and create a corner. So, we've got loads of things. Go out and check that on the Patreon. Uh, but for now, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. And we shall see you on the next episode. There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? Don't cross the streams.